everybody, welcome to the Classic Gaming Podcast. I'm Robert Ring. Today's date is January 30th, 2016. That was Alone in the Chaos with our intro music. And I have a bit of a cough, so I'm going to try to minimize my uh, my talking to some extent, and I'm going to let Jay take over from here. Jay? Howdy. Over to you. All right. So, hello, everyone. Uh, Blake is with us, <laughs> as always. Blake, what'd you say? Nothing. Just go on. All right. Blake, do you want to say hello as well? Uh, hi. Hi. Hello. It's me. That's, do you want to specify me. who you are? Uh, you didn't, um, you just say that. <laughs> I'm shit. And today we actually have a special guest. We actually have Tommy with us, who won the contest for, what was it, what was it called, Robert? After the After School All-Star Fundraiser that we Fantastic. did. Fantastic. So Tommy, if you want to introduce yourself and say a few words. Hey guys, it's Tommy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to doing the show tonight. Cool beans. So, what kind of games do you normally play, Tommy? Uh... Mostly classic games. The only modern stuff I do is usually, uh, like I play Hearthstone, play some Diablo, play a little Dota. That's about it. What would you say is your favorite classic game? Uh, it's gotta be, gotta be Chrono Trigger. If not it, then maybe Link to the Past. <laughs> Look at his name at Skype, Blake. Did you see this? <laughs> I, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, first. So uh, I'm gonna assume your, your favorite game type is gonna be RPGs then? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Cool. So let's get or, like, or Robert. So you so you do play mostly uh classic games? Yeah, uh I mean it might be evenly split between, you know, playing on like like said Diablo or Dota or something like that and classic games, but I don't really do much of the modern gaming otherwise. So it sounds like as far as like the modern games go, you kind of play mostly sort of like I guess I would call them like hobby games where it's a game that you don't just like play once and beat, but you kind of just like play indefinitely more or less. Yeah, and they're more kinda... social. Like, it's games that I'd be okay. playing with other people. You know? I can see that. Yeah, I'm kind of the same boat with you on that one. That's how I used to be in my games. And then I kind of, like, really over the past few years, I've been playing more and more just, like, uh, like single-player, like, story-driven story type stuff. I'm not going to see you anymore. You're isolating super I know. Hard. What are we going to do with that? Yeah. You're going to play Kingdom Hearts uh, again? Kingdom Hearts, yeah. No. I don't know about that. <laughs> Cool. You're ready but whenever, it's funny whenever I do whenever I do find a game that would like be awesome to play multiplayer with, it's like an old game and nobody's playing it anymore, and I won't. And I can't like find anybody else who wants to play it, so that kind of sucks. But that's funny. I find those every pl- once in a while. The game I actually played this week, I completely forgot that it was multiplayer until I was like reading it after the fact. I'm like, oh yeah, that <laughs> is a multiplayer. I mean, sort of, kind of, but yeah. Huh. Yeah, you're not gonna find people to play classic games multiplayer for the most part. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. You ready to move on to news? If only we had like a podcast with multiple people who knew each other that play all. Yeah, play- but we all hate each other. We don't talk to each other outside the podcast. So. <laughs> it really doesn't apply here. I mean, look at Blake. He won't even talk to us during the podcast. Would you leave me out of this? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the voice mods, dude? I was hoping you'd like demonic come at me. <laughs> oh wait, hey, I don't feel like screwing around with it, so. <laughs> Before we jump into news, actually, I do have two things real quick. Uh, has anybody been watching PAX East or PAX South stuff? No. No. Is, is no. Okay, I just, no, I haven't really either. I kind of forgot about it. I just was wondering if there's anything worth noting from it. <laughs> I like how you asked us if there's anything worth noting. No, of course not. 
I don't really buy XFL. Well, yeah, no. All right. Also, I I just have something cool that I wanted to share. So I bought a boxed copy of Loom, which is a classic point-and-click adventure. I think it came out in '89. I'm trying to look at the box right now. It was either '89 or 1990. And if you've if you've listened to the podcast much, you know that that's a game that I uh, really loved growing up. This is this is one of the first like major. PC games that I played, and it was definitely the, this is kind of the game that got me hooked on point-and-click adventure games, and I found uh, like a base, I mean this this thing is in damn near mint condition that I found on eBay, so I snatched it up earlier in the week, and I just got it uh, yesterday, and it had a couple interesting things, actually one of, the, one of the things is just kind of funny, so I was looking through the box, and one of the things that it comes with, aside from the manual, is called the Book of Patterns, so in Loom, it's it's different from other point and clicks where it's like you don't really you don't have an inventory and you don't pick up stuff. What you have is spells and you learn spells as you go along, and you walk around and you use different spells on things and that's how you solve like the puzzles in the game. And uh, you play spells you use spells by playing certain notes with the staff that you have and so it comes with a book and uh, it's got like all these different spells written down and it's got spaces for where you can write down like the the notes. Each, each spell is four notes, and so you can write down, like, the notes for spells as you find them. And it's also got, like, descriptions on each of the spells. And some of them are kind of funny. One of the spells is for waterproofing. And so in, in Loom, it's, it takes place in, like, the year, like, I don't know, like 6,000 or something like that. And, and it, everybody's broken it off into all these guilds of this, guilds of that. And that's kind of like how, like, the different, like, cultures and stuff. And so the spell for waterproofing, the description says... The 5992 expedition of Fifth Elder Spindleshank to the rainforests of Lesser Uxbridge yielded this very practical draft, which shields any fabric from the effects of moisture. The Poison Galoshes Panic of 6003 almost resulted in a permanent ban on waterproofing, until it was until it was revealed that magazine test reports had been rigged by the Guild of Umbrella Openers. What the fuck? <laughs> That's pretty so, cool. That was kind of interesting. It was like this. This stuff is on like really thick, like really good paper too. Like this is a really interesting thing that I I, I kind of forgotten about that part of it. But one other thing, I was reading through the actual instruction manual, and uh, they they're they're talking they talk a little bit like what the game is supposed to be like, like how how they want people to enjoy the game. and there are a few you can you can see where they where they are really trying to diverge from a lot of the stuff that uh, develop or that that publishers like Sierra were put were putting out where okay. with they always have they've got the adventure games that I always complain about where you can die or you can get stuck in an unwinnable situation on your save and there are a couple things where they like pretty much like call them out almost dire- like almost without almost directly like as close as you can without just saying like fuck you guys Sierra. Uh, let's see. It says, you can never be stranded while playing Loom. We've gone to great lengths to ensure that you will never find yourself in a situation from which you cannot escape. If you're not sure how to proceed, remember the knowledge you need to continue. The story is always available somewhere nearby. You don't need to save and restore your game to ensure success. Don't be afraid to experiment. Nothing in the game can kill you. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. At one point it says, it says something about like, don't worry, you will, you will, you will never die from picking up a sharp object. Which we taught, we covered a game that that actually happens in at one point. I don't actually think that was a Sierra game, but that literally happens in some old classic point and click game. Uh, 
And then at the end it says our game design philosophy. We believe that you buy games to be entertained, not to be whacked over the head every time you make a mistake. So we don't bring the game to a screeching halt when you poke your nose into a place you haven't visited before. Unlike conventional computer adventures, you won't find yourself accidentally stepping off a path. Oh, here it is. Or dying because you've picked up a sharp object. We think you prefer to solve the game's mysteries by exploring and discovering, not by dying a thousand times. We also think you'd like to spend your time involved in the story, not typing in synonyms until you stumble upon the computer's word for a certain object. Which is another which is another thing that a lot of point and clicks, especially Sierra, like really Yeah. That's a, that's a different era from when um you had to actually it was like partly text adventure based almost. Yeah. Um there's something similar in the Wizardry series, actually. Very, very annoying. Where um, a lot of the NPCs you'll talk to in that game, you have to do the same thing where it's like you have to type uh, in a word or a phrase or something where the NPC recognizes it. That's terrible. That's bad. It's bad enough when it's like objects in the environment. I couldn't imagine having to do a conversation that way. Uh, I mean, there are hints to it. Like you can find dictionaries and things around the castle or around wherever part of the um the game that you're in like you go to a, a mountain area and stuff and so there's diaries there's journal entries there's books and things that will be like oh i bought this thing from quequeg today uh, and he said he had a lot more or whatever and so okay. then you can go to him and if you don't remember exactly what it is you'll be typing in like oh i need to buy something and he's like maybe i have something to do that with and it's a bunch of these, like, non-answers where it's like, maybe you're going down the right path of questioning the person to find wow. out more. But at the same time, maybe you're just getting led on by them trying to kind of have catch-all answers to a lot of the things you enter. Right. Yeah. That's super annoying. Yeah. Good that sounds times. pretty terrible. That's really funny. One other, one other awesome thing. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Uh, this uh, So, Loom... Originally came with a cassette tape that has like an audio introduction to the game. So it like tells you the story of what's happening before you, like, before you, when you jump into the game and take over on stuff. I really want to, I mean, I'm sure this is available online somewhere to, to, to listen to. I just haven't had a chance yet, but, uh, I've got the cassette tape also. I really want to listen to this. It's, uh, this, this is like, this game had a lot of cool stuff with it. Uh, but like very few, like no other game that I can think of actually had a cassette tape with like backstory on it. I really want to check that out. That's all. Cool. Sounds like your cough's gone. By the way, you're able to talk consistently. Yeah, I'm able to talk. It's just uh, the more the the I I feel like the more I talk, the the faster it's going to go away. So you're saying you should stop talking then? I'm saying I should stop. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. I know. Did you have anything else before we move on? No, I think I, I think that no, that's all I got. Okay, so let's talk about news. So the first topic, um, these are obviously all provided by Robert, um, is the delay of Mighty Number no. Nine. So again, I know you put emphasis on this. So did they give a new ETA for it? Or did they just say it's going to be delayed until we feel like releasing it? I believe they said they're shooting for April. Blake, is that what right? Was the original date. I don't last. remember. I can't. I'm not sure if they gave a new one or not. See, I'm googling. Okay, I, I want to say it was second so. quarter, so April sounds right, but optimistic. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Oh, is that what they said? Uh, second quarter? That sounds that, right. 
I think that's what it, one of my friends is a backer, and he's been ranting about it for a while. I think that's what he said. <laughs> I don't so blame him either. Or, I mean, like, I don't feel like this is really unexpected. Like, I feel like I mean, <laughs> it was unexpected only because, uh, to be fair, there's no reason for yet another fucking delay. It's a bit ridiculous. Wow, three. So they delays. said they were having. Yeah, they said they were ha- – so, yeah, this is the third one. It was supposed to be out – I February it was l- last April. Oh, I'm February sorry. Yeah, that's, that was the most recent one, but I don't yeah, think – Yeah, yeah. Originally, I think it was supposed to be last April or something along those lines. And uh, right now – so what's happened now is some problem, I think, with like the uh, like the online multiplayer code or something along – something like that. And whatever engine they're using uh, is no longer supported – so the problems that, that they're having to debug, they're having to fix everything. They're having to like dig into the code and fix everything manually, which is causing a huge delay. That's and apparently crazy, they man. realized that they weren't going to be able to hit the date that they thought, the February date that they had what, pushed it back to. What's interesting is if you see something that causes a delay like that, you would think that they would – sit down and go okay are we ready to actually provide a second release date you know what i mean like it's like the first time it's like okay shit happens right but the second time it's like you think they would be a hundred percent ready before they provide a second release date that they only have to push back again and again that's that's kind of embarrassing yeah you could tell from the announcement that they were just like straight up like yeah this is bad like they didn't really try to make any excuses or anything they were straight up like we realize this is disappointing and we're sorry their tweet was something like, hey, we've got more news. Here's a link to the news article. And that's it. They didn't say anything else about it in the tweet. I don't <laughs> I see a release date, by the way. I'm, I'm looking around. I don't see any. I don't see a new one yet. Okay. I could just miss it. Tommy, are you looking forward to this game at all? Uh, Not really. When it was initially put on uh, Kickstarter, yeah, I was interested. Yeah, I liked Mega Man when I was younger. I, th- I thought it was cool, you know, bringing the team back, to, or at least partially. But after the first delay, I kind of just basically forgot about it. And then with the second delay, I was reminded it existed. And then now I'm, <laughs> I, I just, I've lost interest in it at this point, you know. And it may be an amazing game, and I may end up playing it, but I'm not going to wait for it. You know what this might be, Robert? This might be an amazing marketing play. Listen to what Tommy just said. He said, I forgot about this <laughs> I game. And the only time I remembered it is when they announced further delays. <laughs> it's just a genius marketing, new age. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I remember being pretty excited when the Kickstarter came out also, but and the reason that I didn't back it was it was one of those situations where you back the game for the same amount of money as they're going to sell it for. And there's, like, no reason to do that. So I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait for it to come out then. And then as we got farther into it and Blake got a chance to play a demo of it, it started sounding worse and worse and worse. And now I don't. I really just don't even care about it anymore. Not only are you backing it for the same p- price as it's re- going to release at, uh, if I remember correctly, they later added uh, this deal with another distribution company that would let them sell it with all these different perks for when you buy it through that company. So if oh, you really? backed it, you may end up getting less than the people that buy it later. So this thing, that was something I actually wanted to ask you guys about, is do you feel the, the Mighty Number no. 9, this whole debacle, do you think it has – in some way hurt the whole process of using Kickstarter, particularly for, for games and software. This is something we talk about regularly. Robert, do you want to – I think you're going to say something, but this is something I, we talk about constantly, I feel like. I don't, I don't think Mighty Number no. 9 alone 
does that very much, but it's like one more thing on the pile of games that mm-hmm. that that do what you're saying, Tommy. Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh the, like over the past really year and a half, or maybe even a little bit more than that. Like probably starting right around the time when this Kickstarter was first announced was kind of where things started to go downhill. People started to get kind of burned on some Kickstarters, and then a lot of them just ended up being late or not having all the features that they promised and that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I think it definitely is, is one more game that kind of hurts the whole, the whole Kickstarter thing for everybody. Yeah, yeah because it I don't think that it's like the straw that's going to break the camel's back or anything. No. It's going to no. be, it's going to make some people more cautious, but we're still going to see very, very successful, uh, Kickstarters over and over and over in the future. Depending on which company yep. they are. I'm, I'm like, um, if Double Fine screws up yet again with uh, the Psychonauts <laughs> 2 release, then I don't want to see people saying, oh, look, Double Fine has screwed something else up. It's clearly all Kickstarters because, like, that that's Double Fine. It's not going to be because of Kickstarters in general being bad. It's That's just kind of what they do. Um, the big one that worries me about what's going to happen next that I think if any Kickstarter is really going to sour more people – is the uh, Bloodstained, the new one by... Uh, oh, man, yeah. Not Ikaruga, that's a game. What's this? That's what I wanted to say. I wanted <laughs> to say Ikaruga this? also. <laughs> I can't remember his name now. All I can think is Ikaruga, Jesus. Um, the old guy that was <laughs> heading Castlevania for Konami for a long time. Uh, Iga. Iga, or Iga, however it's pronounced. There we go. Iga what? I- is it Igarishi or Igarashi or something like that? Um, maybe. I'm trying to remember. Igaruga. Damn it, no. Um, yeah, it's Igarashi. Koji Igarashi. And he just calls himself uh, Iga or Iga for short, I'm pretty sure. Sorry, anyway, oh, right, okay. back on the subject. Um, I'm actually worried about how the Bloodstained uh, production is going to go because uh, I, I believe it's being, at least in some degree, handled by the same company doing Mighty Number no. 9. Oh, is it? I think so. That's what I remember hearing at the beginning of the Kickstarter, but I don't remember in what capacity the two, whatever yeah, company that's it's... doing the game's work is, the, whether it's doing all of the work, whether it's PR or what it is. Yeah, that'll make a huge difference. If it's like the publisher or something like that's probably not going to make much of a difference. Like that's probably not going to do much, like alter this. Yeah. Much. So I just looked uh, this up. It's a group called NT Create who is helping develop Mighty Number no. Nine on. And they're helping develop Bloodstained on the Unreal 4 engine, which, if I remember correctly, is part of the problem with Mighty Number no. 9, is that oh, the no. Unreal 4 engine is out of date. Uh, so, well, yeah. thankfully oh, no. for Bloodstained, they, they are figuring that out early in production. Yeah, so that, that will help Bloodstained out, hopefully. And hopefully. did Bloodstained promise any online content? Because that's the big issue with the uh, Mighty Number no. 9 yeah. problem is you know, Unreal 4. And, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know if they had anything like that or not. I, I do think, back to your question, Tommy, I, I think one thing that uh, the Mighty Number no. 9 situation might bring to light a little bit more than already is right now is uh, when you have huge Kickstarters that they they set a, they, they, they have their campaign, they set a date, and they say what's going to be in the game, and then they have a stretch goal list 
that you have to scroll down 45 pages to read the whole thing. But they don't think somehow that that's going to add a shitload of time to development. I think that's a big problem here, yeah, too. Setting, because they had, like, goals. 15 yeah. or, like, 20 stretch goals or something that they hit just trying to get more funding. And so it's like, no, like, no wonder they didn't. No wonder they're a year behind schedule because they added, they like doubled the content of the game because they added so many stretch goals. I think that's, I think that's gonna, I think people may start, and I hope people start paying more attention to that kind of stuff because you can't just add dozens of features to a game and not extend the development time significantly. And that's kind of been overlooked so far, I think. I've, I, speaking of, games that we are waiting to hear about. I was just reading about Unsung Story, just because I want to see if there's an ETA. Nada. Not a finger. Nothing. Oh, oh, wow. Big surprise. And that yeah. was supposed to be out last year, right? Yep, middle of last yeah. year. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, wow. I thought it was longer than that. Okay. Yep. I thought it was supposed to come out quarter one of this year. I don't know why. That's just what I remember in my head, but guess what? Oh, man. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. I came close to backing that one, and the uh, it, it got funded before I actually decided to pull the trigger, and I'm so glad I didn't, because I would be so pissed <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Have any I'm of really you guys excited. have any of you guys been burned on a Kickstarter? We talked no, about. I've never backed anything. Yeah, neither have I. Never... How about you, Tommy? I have not backed anything. The only thing that I've actually come close to backing was Unsung Story. Well, and I almost backed Mighty Number no. Nine. So yeah, so I'm kind of glad I haven't. And with Unsung Story, I was like, I don't know, this sounds good, but I'm a little wary of not knowing who's working on it. And lucky for me, at the time Mighty Number no. Nine was going through its Kickstarter, I didn't have enough money to kick, to help it out. So I kind of <laughs> lucked out there. All right. Yeah, that's this is starting to become like a really constant topic for us. Like, it's making me really nervous about this whole concept. Like, I, I feel like people are going to start becoming more and more aware to a point where people are kind of just like, "Why are we doing this?" I think it's already happening a lot. Is it okay? Yeah, I think the the sense that I'm seeing from people is that they don't like large developers using it. You know, it's one thing if you have a hmm. small indie developer putting out a new title, but then when you have a large studio that says, "Hey, we're going to put out this well-known franchise." Or, you know, something tied to a well-known franchise, then it kind of sours people on it when they don't deliver. That makes a lot of sense. It's understandable when there's some nobody. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Because it's like, you know, they're obviously going to make a lot of money off the sales and promotions with the title. Why do they need a Kickstarter if they're a big name? Yeah, and and I, I see larger businesses using Kickstarter to kind of minimize their risk. You know, if we get you know, yeah. say five million dollars up front, oh, if it doesn't sell that well, okay, well we've already covered our expenses. And I can understand yeah. that. I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but it it is more problematic when they do that and then don't deliver or take you know in the mighty number no. nine take what three years to deliver or you know and counting. Yeah, I'm at. Is this kind of kind of similar? God, topic? yeah, it has been that long. <laughs> we 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 were talking about this at my house because obviously my my roommates were really into computers technology with the new uh, platform of DirectX and with all the new graphics that are going to be applicable to games. Are they? Are any major companies going to be able to start meeting their deadlines? I feel like they're either going to need to start hiring more people, paying more people, or I, I don't know what. I feel like titles are going to take an extreme amount of time to be released. Well, I mean, it kind of, I guess it just depends on what kind of game you're making, first off. If you're making like a AAA, I mean, I think that would mostly apply to AAA games. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, like, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious if, if we're going to start seeing longer ETAs. I don't know. That's I don't know. It, I guess it depends on what kind of, you know, what the tools are to get these better, to get the better performance and, and, and better everything that mm-hmm. they're getting out of, out of the new stuff. I, I, I don't think I can answer that question. I don't think I know. Yeah, enough that's just it. something, if you guys ever say anything about it, definitely read about it. Cause I mean, so one of the game developers or some of the, some of them, especially the lower ones are kind of underappreciated and underpaid and overworked. So it's like, you know, wh- where, where's the, the breaking point for all of this, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't have I don't have an answer for you, Robert. You're supposed to know everything. I know most. Almost. You need to drink until you can answer that question. That's that's what we're gonna do here. Okay. <laughs> I'll be back. I like he's like all right. Let's do it. <laughs> what can possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh no, with Robert. Oh man, he doesn't stumble. He doesn't wander. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Old times, good times. All right, moving on to topic number two. So I was actually, I just Googled some of the titles that released from this as well, Robert. So Atari is bringing 100 games to Steam, um, the Atari Vault, and it will be for online and local multiplayer. And so just a handful of the titles that they were just listed on here were, hold on a sec, did I close it? Oh, here it is. Uh, just a couple big ones were Asteroid Centipede, Missile Command, Tempest, Warlords, and a game called Adventure Something, I think is what it was called. So this is pretty cool, and they said it's not going to cost too much either, which I think is the big thing. You know, you spend, you get a hundred games for. What do you think this is going to cost, Robert? Uh, I mean, I can't see it being more than forty max. I would probably think wow. like twenty to thirty. Uh, yeah, I was thinking closer to twenty personally. I, I would be surprised if people would pay more than twenty dollars for, you know, games that are extremely aged and yeah. they're probably not going to play yeah. for an extended period of time. I think it'll be more probably like that, but I, who knows? Yeah. But uh, what did what they said? What was it like a hundred or so that yep. they said they're gonna have? Yep, it says a uh, hundred was in yeah, so it's about a hundred. I imagine they're gonna be a little under, a little over, but yeah. I think it's kind of cool that they're gonna have online multiplayer for these because some of these games, some of those games are f- sort of fun to play against like another person. What are you looking forward to specifically? Uh, I forget the name of it, but there's a game where you, where you control these tanks and uh. You go that was around just combat, like, wasn't it, or something like that? It might have been called combat. Yeah, you control these tanks, and you're in like this place. You're in like it looks sort of like a maze. Kind of uh, like an arena. Yeah, it's like an arena. Yeah. Here, look here, here. Here's a screenshot, like of one battle uh, zone. No, no, no. Look, look at this. Check out this screenshot. Sure. Uh, and there's like little walls. The, yeah, the that's what I'm looking right now. Color okay. thing. Yeah, those are like walls, and. Uh, you move around. It's like a top-down view. You see the whole screen, obviously, and then like you, when you shoot, like the bullets bounce off walls and ricochet and stuff. That's so you're cool. trying to position yourself to where you can hit the other guy, but obviously without getting hit. Were there any mechanics Actually, in the battlefield that would interact with you at all, or was it just you two? No, it's just the walls. Obviously, you can't go through the walls, and your bullets bounce off of the walls. So Crash Bash, which is the you know the Crash Bandicoot. Um, Mario Party type deal. They had a game very similar to this, but it had a little couple extra mechanics. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it, this is the one. This is really the only. This might have been the only multiplayer game that I ever played on Atari. Okay. Uh, there were only a few games that I had played, like because so my grandmother had an Atari at her house for some reason. So whenever we went to visit her, I would play it. And she had this game, which I used to play with my dad some, and she had a fishing game that I used to like. And then there was like asteroids, and she had ET, which speaks for itself. 
Uh, and I think those are. I, th- I I feel like those are probably the only ones that I had played. Okay. Blake, do you have any games that you're looking forward to, or is this interesting at all? Um, not really. Cool. You sound really yeah. excited about it. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> How about you, Tommy? I actually want to see the list of games because I, I had an Atari when I was younger. I had Combat, which why well, I remembered it as soon as Robert started talking. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the others I had. I definitely would play a Combat again. I want to say there's a racing game on there that was pretty fun, but I can't imagine it holding up all that well. But if nothing else, it would be uh, you know fun nostalgia if the price is reasonable anyway. Yeah, I I, I, I yep. assume so. I mean, it I think it would be really unbelievable if it was anything more than twenty or twenty five dollars. I mean, yeah, I guess that's because, like, that's a good point because also a lot of, uh, I mean, these are a hundred games, so, mm-hmm. like, there are going to be a good few dozen of them that are just, like, throwaways. Yeah, absolutely. That people yeah. probably will not touch for more than two minutes. Do yeah. we know the if they're going to include adventure in that or not? Because I think I that would be fun. I believe that was on the list. Hold on, let me pull it back up. I believe it was on here. What did I do with it? I wonder if the uh, book Ready Player One uh, has anything to do with this getting released, because that really it kind of re-sparked, uh, at least yeah, reminded Adventure me of Atari. Oh, no, actually, it hasn't been confirmed. I'm sorry. No, Adventure has not been confirmed. Do you think it's going to have E.T.? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really hope it does. Like, they've got, like, if they can, like, I don't, who knows, like, what kind of, like, like who who knows who holds the rights to that game now? But Michael Jackson. if they can, if probably, yeah. Probably. If they can <laughs> include that, I, I really would like to see that in here. Just I'm so curious like, how many titles there are in general. Like how many Atari titles there were? Yeah. I mean, you know what I, I mean? The, like, if they were releasing them. I think there were a lot. Uh, but I I really don't have a point of reference. I don't have, I'm just, uh, I'm I don't have a right guess. Now. I'm really curious. Well, the other thing is, I wonder how well these are going to run. You know, like I don't know if you guys have ever tried to emulate some of these older games, but it is very difficult to get some of these games to work and to find working. Yeah, I think them. I think that's going to be a key thing here, like how good the ports are. Yeah, like, exactly. They could be really fun to play if they're ported well. If not, this could just be a disaster. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if they would just set up like a virtual machine on your uh, PC to run it. Because you would almost need to severely limit resources or do some creative coding, something. Because, I mean, these were written for processors that were just you know, minuscule compared to what we've got now. Not That's to mention the RAM. I was actually talking to my brother about that today because over time, I mean, I've, I primarily over the last 10 years or so have gone back and played a lot of the games from my childhood and, and going forward. And it was really easy 10 years ago to get most of these games to work on computers because, you know, obviously they weren't that aged at the time. But now it's actually becoming easier for me to buy these games from GOG and Steam than it is for me to try and get them to work on my computer because it's just the hardware issues. Like it, it is incredibly time consuming and frustrating to a point where you don't even want to play the title anymore. So, I mean, if it works well, it's kind of, it's cool. Yeah, it's going to have to be a good port. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, Robert, did you have another news piece that you were... Oh, yeah, I do have one more thing. I do have one more thing. Have you guys, you've probably heard of the announcement of a new game coming out called Detective Pikachu. No, but I did hear about the new Pokemon game, Detective... Okay, so there's a game, so... Blake, have you heard of Detective Pikachu? 
Tommy, have I've you heard of it, either? but I didn't look into it at all. all right, and I've all right. heard of it, but know nothing about it. Okay, I want you to watch this trailer for it. I, is this going to be about the voice, I assume? This is about the voice. Okay, I heard co- people complaining about the voice. Wait until you see... Oh, I accidentally just did it twice. Uh, watch this and listen to Pikachu's voice. He has a... <laughs> He does not have a Pikachu voice. His voice is a normal human male. How are they trying to pass this off by saying the other Pikachu is a female? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, this guy has got his like, balls I don't in understand, his Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand why. Like, it's kind of amazing. That, it, it's kind it of just amazing. looks like really bad lip sync. That's what it looks like. But Pikachu just sounds like a dude, like a, just like a normal guy. Or like you know, like a, he sounds like an action hero guy almost, but it's in Japanese if, for those of you listening. So he doesn't have like an English translation at this point, but the Japanese trailer is just him talking Japanese like, like me. If Are you I talk talking Japanese, Japanese right now, <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good, Robert. That's good. So anyway, uh, thoughts, comments. That's ridiculous. Like, I mean, Pikachu's voice, we all know what, what it sounds like from Smash Brothers and every other title. Yeah, like, you see him on there, voice and you expect him to be like, I'm going to solve this mystery. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just say his name like, 80 times. And instead, here. James Earl Jones comes out and is like, <laughs> <laughs> or chocolate, the guy from Chocolate Rain. I solve this. <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs> that actually almost <laughs> That almost makes me want to buy this game now that I think about it. I feel like I would just laugh the entire time. Like that's, that's yeah, exactly. Amazing. That's awesome. So there's that. Sounds like a guy. Sounds like a regular old guy now. I don't know what they're thinking. I have no clue. Like, why? Why would you even? Like, how did they even think for a second that he wouldn't just have the normal Pikachu voice and then be like, "Yeah, we're gonna go with this. We're gonna go with this having normal guy's voice." What's wrong with it? Like what? I I don't understand things like this. Like who go? Like how does this get through? And somebody doesn't go. This is kind of weird. This doesn't make sense. No, no, just keep going. Just keep going. Just, no, nobody will notice <laughs> if you don't say anything. <laughs> that's awesome. But anyway, I, that's my I appreciate input. the laugh, Robert. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. I just noticed that we're like. Uh, uh, I guess we're only about thirty minutes into this episode. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Well, it's uh, well, I look at the call and it's been over fifty minutes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, we've been on news for fifty minutes. <laughs> no, no, we're no, not no. known for brevity here at the Classic Game yeah. Podcast. Not with me hosting, Blake. You're, good. You're in good hands. <laughs> yeah, it's Jay. Uh, we're ready to talk about some games. Um, I guess there's one other piece of news, just because I'm a Ooh. big f- whore. Um, <laughs> what? What? Wait, I feel like you forgot to put That's another word news. in that That's sentence. That's the whole news there. Guys, uh, I want to let you know that I'm... Are you yeah. doing stream cams? Can I see your giant beard? I'm over at my free cams. Uh, are you going to be shirtless again? Myfreecams.com slash slackaholic shirtless. I'm shirtless. Slackaholic is shirtless. Uh, all right, so the other thing going on is... Uh, you'll be happy about this one, Jay. There is a fighting game that is currently only available in arcades in Japan... Uh, it is the newest version of Dissidia. Do you recognize that one, Jay? That was the Final Fantasy game, right? Yeah. Dissidia, uh, Dissidia was, was originally the, yeah. uh, came out on PSP. Uh, there is a different version where you play as three characters on a team, kind of like uh, King of Fighters 14. 
And uh, they just recently added Ramza to the character I'm line. looking at that right now. That's so funny. Is this game a good <laughs> oh, fighting shit. game? Like, is it actually bad? I have no idea. I don't know any of okay. the details on it. But it's apparently um, – a friend of mine actually went over to Japan very recently. And oh, he my was God. Staying... He looks like a girl. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone else is saying. Also okay. notice that he has a nose. How weird oh, is that? Oh, no. <laughs> Come on. I just probably pasted it in chat. Um, oh, so... wow. This game looks cool. It looks really cool, yeah. And no, there's talks Ramza? of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's random. That looks like a girl. There's talks of it maybe coming to PS4. Cool. But they haven't mentioned anything about porting it over to the States. I would assume oh. put it on PS4, though, there will be some kind of a. Um, they'll release it outside Japan, I hope. I really, really, really hope. Wait, so this is I a had... fighting game? Or like a. This looks like Dynasty Warriors style. No, it's a fighting game. game. Interesting. The city of fighting games are kind of over-the-shoulder 3D. They're very unique, I would say. That's how I'll describe it. Yeah, I don't remember that game too well. Like, I played it when I was a kid, and it was like, okay. A kid? You know what the roster is? It came out like seven Am I thinking of the wrong game? What was the fighting game that had Sephiroth? Oh, you're thinking of Air Guys. I'm thinking of Air Guys. Okay, yeah, Yeah. I don't think I ever played the original uh, Dissidia. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Anyway, uh, apparently a friend of mine went over to Japan recently... And he's he was saying that it was all people in the arcades were playing. Is really? That, yeah, it's apparently very big in Japan, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's any good. It just means that it's Final Fantasy, which is popular in Japan, so people are gonna play it. Man, I wish I had arcades yeah. like that here. My arcade. Remember when we tried to find an arcade in Arizona, Robert? Yeah, that was, that didn't work Impossible? out. Possible? Yeah, that was brutal. All we found was one that had like a hundred Guitar Hero stations. Yeah, that was Dave and Buster's pretty sure, wasn't it? That was like the and only And Tetris with the fucked up. Remember Tetris with the fucked up joystick? Oh and yeah, you couldn't split. go left. You could only go right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sad day. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm actually pretty excited about that. Uh, Blake, do you know what the roster is for the game? I have no idea. Um, I was looking at it. It's probably similar to the City One and Two, which were. Um, I mean, it's basically the main. Uh, good characters and the main villains of the of like one from each series. I don't know how much that's changed since then, but they had Terra, Kefka, Sephiroth, Cloud, Squall, um, Edia, Titus, um, uh, Jekt, etc., etc. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, he is here, Jekt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's the villain of Final Fantasy X. Uh, they... um, Spoilers. Well, I can't get over. How much of a girl Ramza actually like? Le, like Ramza, one hundred percent legit looks like. Okay, yeah, that's a girl. Which girl? Yeah, and he, he was pretty like in in uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. I always assumed him as very grungy and dirty and looked like he'd been through war and and hell. Like that makes him look I mean, like that. The version that they have in Dissidia is the version from Chapter One, which is the flashback version. Uh, okay, where he's still basically a, a noble family. Gotcha. Like, they didn't do anything whatsoever to give him any male, like, masculine quality at all. The second photo is kind of, I mean, he looks kind of cool there, but you obviously can't see his face. You can't really get a taste. I mean, again, it's Chapter 1 Ramza, so he is, like, he's very young in Chapter 1. He's yeah. probably young teenager, mid All right, we're done talking about tactics. I, anyway, I'm getting that yeah. feeling. We need to stop talking it about even lo- <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting that it feeling. It even actually kind of, it almost looks like he has boobs, even. You have boobs, even. Yeah, you have giant nipples, Robert. <laughs> I'm not going to ask more about that. 
Uh, <laughs> video games. Right. Robert, you wanna you wanna start us off so you can limit your voice? Uh yeah, sure. Actually, somebody else go first. I'm gonna suck on a cough drop and then I'll sure. and I'll, go. I'll go first. Uh, so I continued my adventure through Secret of Mana. I was talking to Blake a little bit about this about before we started the podcast and kind of venting about this. Um, Robert, are you still here? Are you? Yeah, I'm here. Did you play Secret of Mana at all? No. Okay. So Secret of Mana is a very similar uh, game style to Secret of Evermore. Um, the only real difference that that I saw like over the top was that instead of having the kid plus the dog, you have three characters that are a little bit more customizable. Um, Secret of Mana, or sorry, in Secret of Evermore, you had the boy who you could equip different types of armor and weapons, and they would give you different fighting styles. And then you also had spells. And then the dog just had a collar. Was there any other armor or weapons that the dog had, Blake? Was it just a collar? Yeah, I think it's just a collar, uh, okay. which was a defensive item. Did it give him yep. any uh, attack benefits? I don't think just... so. I think it was yeah. just defense. And they were like, so, it was so cookie cutter. But yeah. this is actually... So overall, I really didn't enjoy Secret of Mana as much as I thought it would. I actually, I played about four hours in or so, and I just kind of lost interest. The fighting style is very similar to Secret of Evermore, but I feel like it was less refined than Secret of Evermore. I don't know why, but there was something about it. I could not pinpoint it, but I felt like it was harder to predict where your character was going to swing, and maybe that's just because I have a lot more experience playing Secret of Evermore and understanding the little bizarre things because you know like secret of evermore you have a sort of like a cleave where you hit at an angle and it swipes uh in a direction and you hit only that segment i i could not get the feeling down for secret of mana and i constantly was getting hit by things and i was getting really flustered and frustrated and just it it didn't feel as smooth i I don't know what it was about it do you did you feel have a similar experience blake um I've always liked Secret of Evermore a lot more. I don't know exactly what it is. Um, I think it's partly that the the setting just doesn't do nearly as much for me. It feels uh, very um, vanilla, like in terms of like an RPG. Yeah, it's just a very generic kind of story that it tells, honestly. Which is fine. I mean, a lot of video games did it at that time, but yeah. it's harder to get into compared to Secret of Evermore, and it just it just has less polish overall. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's not to say Secret of War is a fantastic game with an amazing ah. story. <laughs> By any means, it does not. It's, I mean, you kind of just get dropped into it. Yeah, it's weaknesses for sure. And the the thing, and Secret of War, I feel, is a little bit more punishing because at the very beginning, when you enter that jungle, and you can just get shit on in 15 seconds. And in Secret of War, it leads you into it a little bit, but it's still kind of getting dropped into the fire, and you pretty much have to make it. Um, the other thing I didn't like about the, the the characters was so the main character is just kind of a a melee DPS. He has higher strength and stats than the other two. He does more, uh, he's more focused on using his melee weapon. And then one of the two characters was focused to seem more on like defensive stuff. And then the third one seemed more like a, a DPS caster, which it was interesting, but at the same time, like Secret of Evermore, where the, the main character, you could focus on leveling his weapons and fo- or, or focus on leveling his abilities and kind of do both. It was like you had this characters that you could use to do it, but I don't know. It just felt kind of limiting. I wish they would give you the option to design to decide how you want to set up your composition. Like where if maybe you want to do two healers and a caster, or like two casters and a melee DPS and et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Yeah, 
yeah. felt felt kind of limiting in that regard. Uh, as well, the story, I, I said, th- this was like my main thing with it. Either a game for me has to have a story that is engrossing and kind of drags you into it, or it has to have play style that's fun enough to where you go, I want to keep doing this so that I can either min-max my character, find something cool that I enjoy, go for a strategy that I like, or just it has to have some some sort of substance to it that, that drags me in. And this game had none of it. I, I thought the story was really boring, and it just was fairly vanilla. And it just, I don't know. I, I was really surprised that I didn't enjoy this game. You know, there's some... Because obviously I like Secret Evermore a lot. Uh, primarily it's for the, the gameplay and the funny kind of weird humor that's involved in it. But it just, it didn't do anything for me. And, and, and additionally, the music, I, I didn't find that amazing. I, a lot of, I read a lot of stuff and people were saying, you know, here, you gotta listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack's really good for it. I, I didn't really think it was anything worth noting. Really? You didn't like the music? It was Some okay, of the tracks aren't that good, but a lot of them are. Yeah. Maybe I didn't get to hear enough of them. That's one thing. You know, the game, I I agree with most of what you said about it. I actually played through that relatively recently. Like, you know, the the game definitely railroads you. You know, it's pretty, you know, it it has the illusion of being open world, but it's not, you know. But Mm -hmm. the the music, I definitely enjoy. Like, I'll actually listen to that soundtrack while I'm working, you know, just uh, at background music, you know. Like, I I really like the music. Now, there's some areas where it's kind of weak, but I I feel like throughout the game, for the most part, it's pretty good music. Was Uh, it a specific tracks? Like, were you at boss fights or, like, specific dungeons, or was it just overall you liked most of the soundtracks? I think it was overall. I just like most of it. I mean, there may be some things later that I like more, like the... uh, there's some of it that late into the game, you know, there's some things going on that it tries to get creepy stuff and the music, I like that pretty well in that part, but like That's in like general, the only I think music I like in it. the game that I don't like, that I dislike. <laughs> the boop, 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 boop. That <laughs> creepy music, is that the one you're talking about? Uh, well, no, I don't really care for that one. I mean, like, uh, okay. I think we're talking about the same portion of the game, but, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Like, there's the more intense music that happens later in that same area. Uh, I don't want to go into a ton of detail on it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, like I said, the music is a hole in that game I like. Like I said, there's probably some tracks that don't hold up that well, and I'm just not remembering them at the moment. But, yeah, I did enjoy the music. But I agree with you on the rest of the game, though, because it's fun for a while. And then, like, I played it again thinking, oh, man, I loved this when I was a kid. And, yeah, it doesn't hold up as well. Yeah, and the thing was, I was like, oh, you know... Obviously, at the beginning, you're by yourself, and it, you know, that limits the, the fun of it. And then as you get a, another character, I was like, okay, this is where it's going to get fun. This is where the game's going to pick up. And I got my third character, and I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And it was just – it wasn't. It, it really didn't do anything for me. Like, I, I really expected it to, to pick up, and, and you know, you kind of build strategy around it. I was expecting it to be kind of like um, – oh, I can't think of the name of it. It'll come back to me. But – yeah, overall, I just there was nothing that that kept me going and and wanted me to finish it. Is the story worth even like reading, or is it still kind of just eh throughout it? It's it's, it's a non-story. It's very okay. there as a device to get you to advance, pretty much. Uh, I think the thing that's always bothered me the most about the game is the fact that you. You have no incentive to want to level up the weapons on the other characters, and that there's too many weapon types. Because there's just no way... And, you know, leveling up your spells once you get them for the other characters is just a lot of work. You're probably... Unless you go out of your way to grind, you're not going to have any of your spells 
your spell types higher than like level four, maybe five by the very end of the game. And that's if you're using them a lot. And then for the weapons, it's like every time you'll get halfway through a level up on one character before you find a new weapon. The next one. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine, I would assume, similar to Secret of Evermore, there's very cookie-cutter weapons that are better than the rest of them. Like, obviously, Secret of Evermore, it was the spear. The spear was, like, a given. You um, Not as weapon. much in this one. It's pretty much okay. whatever the strongest weapon you have at the time is. So and the then most, some the of the weapons weapon. have bonus effects. Like, this one can put enemies to sleep sometimes. Which can be useful in some areas, but it's not like, oh, God, I got to be using that right now. Holy shit. The only time you basically have to use certain weapons is when mechanically you have to. Like, there's a bow, and there's sometimes you have to shoot something that's across a gap. Shoot something, or Or use the whip. um, The whip to get across gaps, yeah. That's about it. That was actually, oh, I forgot about that. That was another thing. It was like, okay, you're using a weapon, like the bow. Like That's a great example. Using the bow. And then you need to get through brushes, and you have to switch the sword. And there's there's obviously no quick command because it's you know an older game, but that was really annoying after a while because it's like every time you had to do, you had to switch weapons, and it was like, oh my god, like this. this yeah, is- I did not like that either. <laughs> I, I, that's always that been was really one. driving me nuts. So what happens with me is I'll usually just like leave something like the whip, for example. I'll just leave it on one of my characters. Yeah, just so you can get through it, so you can just yeah. tab over and yeah, just switch and, and over I mean, and be like, all right, your turn. And that was something, this is something that annoyed me about Secret Evermore is the menu screen is not really that good. You know, like the, the circular, the items are in a circle. It's so yeah, slow. Yeah, it's a little it's confusing. Like, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, anno- it's confusing, it's kind of slow, and it's, I don't know, it, it just was not the best thing ever. It's one of the things I really didn't like about Secret Evermore too much. No. As well. Be yeah, all around. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm that. So obviously, last time I talked about Final Fantasy as well. Um, so that's that's what I'm gonna focus on probably for next time, and hope I think I'll enjoy it a lot more than. Secret of Mana. Word. Neat. Neat. Robert, would you like to go next, or would you like Tommy to go next? Uh, let's let Tommy go next, and I'll go right after him. Right. I'm scared mine's actually going to end up sounding a lot like Jay's. I played Breath <laughs> of Fire 2 for the Super Nintendo. This was released in, I believe, 1996? No, 94, excuse me. Um, okay. Now... When I was a kid, this was one of the games I just, I loved it. Loved the game when I was a kid. So I thought, hey, you know, nostalgia, I'll jump in and play it. And so this is a role-playing game. Uh, you start out, uh, let's see if I can remember it to give you the Spark Notes version. So you start out this, uh, little blue-haired kid running around in a village. You're looking for your, uh, dad and your sister. And so you get kind of railroaded to go out to this, uh, area to go to the base of a mountain and you see your sister like in front of this dragon's foot and then you get pulled into a random battle and you have to lose so your dad comes and saves you blah 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 uh you can tell i loved it so much already so Mm -hmm. then you fast forward a little bit your uh you know your dad disappears like you wake up your dad's gone and not only is your dad and your sister gone no one in the town knows who you are they're just some random orphan to them and so that's how the story starts out and then, you know, you fast forward a few years and, you know, you're, uh, living in this village and you live with a walking, talking dog, which is kind of cool. But, uh, anyway, and you have to go solve a mystery. So the game, I put maybe eight hours into this, nine hours into it. I'd have to open my save file to look for sure. But it's, I really wanted to like it because I remembered how much I loved it as a kid. 
but it falls into basically every negative aspect of RPGs. It has an unbelievable amount of random encounters. Like you'll get out of a random encounter, oh. take two steps, and have another random encounter, and <laughs> you have to grind. This is a serious really? grind fest in this game. Like if you go into a boss battle, e- like even a single level under leveled, it- it's just brutal. You have to have basically before you go into a, you know the next story dungeon. You need to have every character that you're going to take in there decked out in the best equipment you can get for them. Uh, and there, there are things that are cool, like your characters will get status effect spells, so you can put enemies to sleep or poison them or whatever. But I discovered while playing through this, at least until the mid-game, which is where I just gave up, uh, they're basically pointless. You are never going to get a status effect spell to work on a boss. You can just forget that's that. What that's it's what not going to happen. Say. That's fine. And... There's no point in using them on normal enemies, uh, because you're gonna need your MP for other things. You, you're gonna need it to do damage, you're gonna need it to heal, and until very late in the game, you're not gonna have items that's going to give you back your mana. Or if you do, you can buy them, but for a, a ridiculous amount of money. And if you're using all of your money to upgrade your characters, it's, you know, I, I wish in retrospect that I'd used a, uh, item duping glitch to give myself infinite money, and then I might have actually enjoyed the game more. Because the biggest portion of your grind is the money. Uh, the enemies give plenty of XP to get you up to level for where you need to be, but you, you'll spend an hour after you're at the level you'll be at grinding just to get the money to get that last weapon, you know. <laughs> and mechanically, there's some really interesting things in the game. Like each character has, you know, they can attack, they can cast spells, or they'll have a character specific ability. And say the character you start with has an ability that will heal himself, and it costs no mana, which is good because you know it's a very limited resource. And it, but you don't know how much it's going to heal. So if you have say 20 health missing, it might heal you for four, and if you have 50 health missing, it might heal you for 20. You just you don't know what's going to happen. But the more health you have missing in general, the more it's going to heal you for. And, and so that's a cool mechanic, and I, I like that. You know, I like each character having their unique thing. And when you get to the super late game, you can get this mechanic that lets you uh, find these different. Uh, I can't. I played on a retranslation, and I can't remember what it called. The shamans, uh, I believe. The shamans. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and you can fuse your characters with them, and it changes you. It can change your characters visually, change their stats, and give them new abilities. And that's pretty neat. But I didn't get all the shamans collected because the, the grind just got so ridiculous. Like, I really wanted to like the game, but I just, I don't think I could recommend it to somebody that didn't just have serious nostalgia for it. Cause, I mean, I had serious nostalgia for it, and I, I think I will eventually complete it, but I can't put much more time into it at any given time, cause it's just, it's brutal. Like, you, you'll go into a combat thinking you're up to level for something, and then, you know, an enemy will enrage and kill one of your people. And it, it will say, like, enrage and hit you, and just, you know, one hit you. It's like, oh, well, that was nice. That sucks. There are some really shitty boss fights in that game. Like, it, it's a, it's not a very good game. I'm, I'm surprised that so many people still love the game. It has its cool qualities. Uh, overall, the first two Breath of Fire games are not very good. Um, even the stuff with the shamans, as much as I like it, uh, it's got issues because it doesn't. Um, it doesn't really give you as much variety as you'd want from it. What it does is it actually kind of railroads you into a optimal team for by the end game when you do have all the shamans and all the characters. Uh, in the middle of the game, it lets you get some variety and 
buff up some characters sometimes. But then, like, you'll go to a new area and you'll have forced party members and you won't have been using this one character. He'll be underleveled. He won't have good gear. And your sh- your uh, your shamans will be fused with someone else and all this stuff. And it's just money's a problem. Um, not knowing if you're doing the right thing as far as, like, how to advance the game or how to, uh, like, develop your characters or how to build them or anything. You can just be missing out and getting screwed over by so much random stuff in that game that you just can't know that it really sucks. The game itself doesn't suck, but a lot of the situations it puts you into do suck. What What's yeah. the really RPG, like, um, I'm sorry, anime-like RPG that was for PS1 uh, and PS2? PS1 and PS2, um, same game or I think, series? Yeah, yeah, same title. It's a series, sorry. Um, Tales games? No. Like Tales no. of... That probably describes a lot of games. Or uh, maybe Star Ocean. Is that the one you're thinking of? No, I'll come back. Never mind. Okay. Star Ocean is great. You're, this not, game you're there... not thinking of like the Dot .hack games, are you? Yes. No, no, no. Damn, not Dot .hack. No. No, yeah, because that wasn't on PS1. Oh. I'll come back. All right. Like, I feel like every RPG... Like, almost every JRPG to me is very anime-like. Well, starting with starting with PS1 era. Well, while he's looking for that, I would say the pros of this game, the art for the time was not amazing, but it, it's it actually is okay, and the art holds up in the sense that... It was that, pretty good, I think, like especially the battle sprites. The, the yeah, battle- I really like the battle sprites. That's that's what, what I was planning on touching on, because the, like, while you're running around town, the art's meh, but the battle sprites are pretty good, especially, you know, when you get your main character, Ryu, to, uh, you know, be able to transform into different kinds of dragons. Those are pretty cool looking. And, you know, the animations for some of the spells were hit or miss, but, you know, it was the SNES, so I'm, I'm not expecting a ton from that. But the gameplay there, ugh. It, like I said, it's it gets everything wrong that I feel like Chrono Trigger gets right, which I'm not going to start talking about Chrono Trigger, but, yeah. <laughs> Robert, can we keep him on permanently? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, yeah, but he's kicking you off. Okay. I mean, he says the same things I do, so that's fine. Okay. We just take turns, you know, if Jay needs a verse. <laughs> right. Tag me we're in! Gonna, tag me in! I was going to say, we're going to play Final Fantasy Tactics back-to-back, and then we're going to play <laughs> Chrono Trigger back-to-back. And... <laughs> Alright, so is that it for uh, for Breath of Fire? Yeah, I wanted to think of more good to say about it, but I just can't right now. <laughs> I it, hate it, that feeling. I really Yeah, do. I know that feeling. Uh, how far did you end up making it into the game? Uh, I... Let's see. I'd just gotten the frog when I finally got burned out. Okay, I think that's like the worst couple hours of the game is when you get Jean and when um, Spar is forced into your party right after that one. Yeah. Or when you recruit – I guess it's when you recruit Spar. That whole section of the game, like the middle – I think that's the middle-ish. It's been a long time since I played through, but it's somewhere around the middle of the game. That is such a huge low point for it. Uh, you, you get a new character, you've got to grind out everything, and it doesn't, like you said earlier, it doesn't really give you a direction on where to go. And I was trying not to use guides, but you know, when I finally had to give in and use a guide because I couldn't remember what to do, yeah, uh, that was when I was like, okay, that's enough of this. <laughs> that's 
But yeah, so I would, if someone just has a serious nostalgia longing to play it, I'd say play it, but hack your save, item dupe, whatever you gotta do, cause the grind in that game is <laughs> ridiculous. Alright. I guess I'll take, I guess I'll take over since our host has given up on his hosting responsibilities. I'm sorry, I assumed you were gonna talk next, Robert, I just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Xenosaga, that's what I'm thinking. I'm sorry, it was only for PS2. Xenosaga, that's what I was thinking. Of. Oh, Xenosaga. Oh, yeah, that wasn't really on PS1. That's Xenogears, which is technically different. Okay. Great game, though. I loved it. Yeah, Xenogears was Yeah, PS1. that's what I was thinking of when you, when you were talking about really grindy, almost in, impossible to beat without grinding. Like, that that was my experience playing through it as a kid, was I had to grind a lot in that game. I want to play that. I haven't played Xenogears yet. It's been a long time. Really? It's, uh, it's not bad. I will play through it again sometime to see if I like it anymore, but uh, the latter, not even the latter half, not just the final disc, for people that have played it, you know what I'm talking about with that, uh, but just the latter half of the game falls apart for me. Even the latter, okay. like, two-thirds, maybe. Uh -oh. And then it starts to bring it back to, to some degree towards the end, but eh. Alright. Well, I'll be I'll be weary. I, I really liked Zeno Saga. Uh, the first but one. I hadn't, yeah, yeah. That's the only one that I played is the first one. But Zeno Gears, I really want to go back and play that. So anyway, uh, I have a question. So uh, if there is, out of all the games that I've ever played on the for the podcast, if, if there was one that you had to have me go back and play again, well, which one would it be? I played Chrono Trigger. Again? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I played again. I played Chrono Trigger again. Yeah. Played again. Did you again. Play it? Please you tell me you played the SNES version of it. I played this. I did play the SNES version of it. And I did finish the game. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, back in, back in 2 Watt 14. Jesus, what did you just say? What, wow. What, 2014? <laughs> Two alt 14? What? That's what I just trying to yeah. say. That's what he said, right? I said, no, that is, is not what he said. Two alt. Yeah. Alt. Oh. I think he's trying to speak my language to make me feel he's more comfortable. He's trying to be yeah, a yeah, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to, <laughs> Tommy's from Mississippi. I'm trying to make him feel at home. Uh, <laughs> so, back in 2014, when the podcast was still a little baby, I played... Chrono Trigger, and um, it has almost time. sort of become a running joke on the podcast because I got to the, well, you can get to the last boss, getting to the last boss, saying that I got to the last boss in the game doesn't mean a whole lot because you can play him, you can play against him when you're like 60% through the game, you can jump to the last <laughs> boss. Oh, uh, not that late. Even earlier like, than that, like 30 minutes in. Minute, probably. <laughs> Well, uh, so I got to him, and I and I did everything except for the, like, final, all of the final side quests, and I was bored of the game, and I didn't want to play it anymore, and I just gave up, and I stopped playing. Um, <laughs> and I got a little bit of hate, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, sort of, like, oh, sorry, th this is really random how it happened. On some subreddit... Like a few months ago, someone posted like uh, some uh, not the soundtrack to Chrono Trigger, but like some 
reimagining of the soundtrack or something like that. And I was listening to it. I was like, yeah, this is really good. I might, I might, Chrono Trigger had a good soundtrack. I might go back and, I might go buy that. So I, I bought, I went and bought the real sound, Chrono Trigger, the actual soundtrack. I bought that and I was, was listening to it. I was like, damn, this soundtrack actually is really good. And I started listening to it. I was listening to it. I was like, I'm kind of wanting to play this again now. And then, so I, I caved. I bought the game for Super Nintendo and I played through the whole thing. I actually beat it this time and I enjoyed it. When I played Chrono Trigger the first time, uh, I was playing the PlayStation port of the game. And Which I'm still mad at you for doing, by the way. <laughs> I am too, because I didn't know that there was a difference. The only reason I played the PlayStation port was because it was on the PlayStation Network. I was like, oh, they've got Chrono Trigger on here. Cool, yeah, I'm going to buy it and play it. I, I get it, I get it, I do. Yeah, and I like know without I, knowing how fucked up that version is, like, of course that's the one you're gonna grab. Yeah, I didn't know there was any differences whatsoever. As I was playing it, I found out that this one has, uh, like, there's sort of like it has like animated. Uh, the PlayStation version had animated cutscenes, which are cool. I'll give it that. Um, that the that the Super Nintendo version doesn't have. Besides that, I didn't realize that it's only the PlayStation version. Well, I didn't know at all when I first bought it, that the PlayStation version has terrible loading times before you do just about any damn thing in the game, such as fight enemies or pause the game. <laughs> uh, or open your menu. <laughs> <laughs> open your menu, yeah. So, like, when so Chrono Trigger on PlayStation, every single encounter... You walk up to... There are a lot of encounters in this game. You walk up to the enemy. The game freezes for... Seven to eight seconds. Before you fight. Does it at least transition with music and like a... No, it freezes. The screen freezes. You don't even get the combat music, really? That's what uh, I, I... You might get, I'm not sure if you get the mu- I don't remember if you get the music or not. All I remember okay. is that visually, it just freezes. I kind of think I remember watching someone else stream it, and I think that you get the combat music while it's loading, but that honestly does not fix the issue. You might. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't do any good. Um, I mean, granted, it would be worse if you you don't get the music also. But it doesn't, (laughs) but the music being there doesn't help at all. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same thing when you go into your, uh, when you pause to go into your inventory or do anything in the menu. You press start, it goes to a black screen, for like eight seconds, and then you load into your inventory, which is re- which. There are some points in that game where you kind of have to go back and forth a couple times, especially if you're at a store and you want to sell stuff or you want to like you you can you can see how the gear stacks up against what you have, but you can't see like what effects you have. So there are times where you got to go in and out of this of the menu a couple times in a row, and that absolutely destroys it. There were like there were literally times where I would be in a dungeon and get some new gear. And just be like, fuck it, I'm going to wait until I'm done. Because I don't feel like pausing the game right now. Because <laughs> it's such a hassle. It's such a hassle to go into the menu and change out your and change out your items. So, like, think about, like, the all of the hundreds of encounters in that game. If you haven't ever played the PlayStation port of it, think about, like, hundreds of encounters. But before every single one, you have to wait, like, eight seconds before it starts. That adds up. It's terrible. So... I didn't really realize that, I mean, 
I didn't know that that was uh, unique to the PlayStation version as I was playing through this. I, I, I obviously noticed that that was going on, but I didn't know that that was different from uh, Super Nintendo, where there's no load times when you when you go to the menu screen or go to Encounter or anything like that. So I got really bored with it as I was playing the game. I w- actually I went back and listened to some of those episodes where I was talking about it because it was over. I played it over the course of like two two or three episodes. And my complaints were that it felt too grindy and that the battles were uh, monotonous and, and too repetitive because uh, it was like either mash X and just attack, attack, attack on every enemy. Or if it's somebody that's that you have to use spells against, just do that and then attack them. Hey, that's like every RPG. Ah! Well, just kidding. I'm kidding. So so I still don't feel like the combat is great. Uh, first of all, I really like the game now. <laughs> But I will say that I don't that I feel like the combat is still kind of one of its weak points. It has good things. There are like enemies that you have to use certain types of magic against and you have to learn what those are. And that's cool. That adds something to it. But I was trying to like figure out why I didn't feel very engaged by the combat system. And I think the reason is so load screen load times aside since they're not an issue with the Super Nintendo version. That that definitely played a big role in it my first playthrough. But I still think that, like, in Chrono Trigger, more so... This, I mean, this is true for all uh, RP, all like RPGs of this era, but I think it's more true for Chrono Trigger. If you mess up in a battle and you don't attack correctly or you, like, do the wrong spell or, or you don't, uh, like, fight a bad guy, you don't know the right way to fight him, there's not very much at risk at all. Hmm. Even if you get... Even if your whole party gets hit, like, three times in a row... There's not really a chance of you dying because you have so much health compared to how much damage you take. Uh, and it's so easy. Like, you will always have plenty of potions. You'll always have plenty of uh, mana to heal with through spells. I didn't feel like there's any point in the game besides boss battles where, like, I was in danger of dying and having to reload my game. Like, I, I never, ever, ever, ever died uh, on a non-boss battle, like I might, like maybe once or twice, I had one character die, and I and I would just you know bring him back to life, or wait until the uh, battle was over, and where they'd come back with one health and just heal him up. But like all of the battles are pretty easy, and even if you don't know what's going on at first, you have plenty of time to figure it out, and you'll you will unless you just do something really stupid, you'll finish every uh, non-boss battle alive. Hmm. I think that part. That's that I I feel like that is a weakness to the game. Aside from that though, the game is really super awesome. So uh, I won't talk about it because we've talked about it. Pl- I won't I won't go too long because we talked about it plenty on the podcast. But the boss battles are all pretty challenging. Some of them are very tough. The uh, I feel like the game like. I feel like something about it looks better than the PlayStation 1 version 2. I don't think they did anything to the graphics, but somehow I kind of remember being let down by the way it looked when I played it on PlayStation, but when I played it on Super Nintendo, I was like, yeah, this game actually looks really good. Uh, the It's got really cool characters. It's got very well-written characters, too. It, also, like Aside from the characters, like broadly, the, the dialogue is also very well-written. Uh, the story overall is very well written. Like, every aspect of the writing, pretty much, is just really good, I feel like. The music is awesome. 
like the music is super super like it has some of the best like like some of the songs some of the parts of the soundtrack I feel like are some of the like you can't you can't beat like there's no game that does it better with an original soundtrack. Uh the the I got so I got like there are lots of different endings that you can get. I got kind of I guess probably pretty much the basic vanilla ending and I thought that the ending was great. I thought they handled it fantastic. Uh I mean really I thought everything about the game was really super awesome except I did get kind of bored by the battles at some points. But I was very happy with it. I could diff- I I it, to me, I don't, I still don't have like as huge of a love for it as most people do because I feel like it was, uh, it did a lot of really awesome stuff that was especially important for its time that a lot of, uh, RPGs have kind of picked up from and that's not so original anymore. Yeah, if you didn't but, play it at the time, I can understand not having as much appreciation for it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but still, I think, I feel like it's an awesome game. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed playing it, playing through I'm this. Glad. I'm, I'm really happy you guys, to finish it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy too. It was like, it was like this weight that I had to get off my back. But, uh, do you guys, how do you feel about the combat? Like, do you, does, do you agree with what I said at all, or do you just not have any problem with it at all? I can understand where, why you have a problem with it, but I'm so accustomed to it, cause that's like my forte, so it's like, I understand why people don't like it. My girlfriend always complains about that whenever I tell her to play certain titles, so like, I can understand <laughs> that, and yeah, it does get pretty monotonous and repetitive. To a degree, but, yeah. I think that um, it it gets helped a little bit occasionally from like, oh, hey, this is a – like at least early on. It's like, oh, here's this um, area attack that can only hit enemies that are standing this close to each other. Uh, and then there are other times where it's like uh, later on you kind of talked about it where you want to try and use specific attacks against some enemies and it's which to me actually got annoying um the big place that you're probably talking about is when you need to use lightning to weaken up a specific enemy type and it's yeah, just yeah. like doing that at the beginning of every single fight sucks yeah it does one thing it's, one thing i like about that oh, a, it's just a different kind of monotony for me it's like, okay, oh, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing something different, but I'm still doing it over and over and over and over. Yeah, that's how I felt. Like, okay, this is cool. I have to do something different, but okay, now I just do this every single battle for the next, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. So I'm not so I'm not the only person. That makes me feel good that I'm not the only person that feels that way about the combat to some extent. I can understand it. It happens to me sometimes, but it doesn't bother me as much as okay. it probably uh, it got to you. Okay. Uh... What's your favorite uh, part of the score or the soundtrack or the score? I guess is what you would call it. Oh Jesus! Um, yeah, Frog music. Frog steam is up there. Um, uh-huh. um God. <laughs> Wait. So which one? Okay. Basically, there are there are there are from six hundred AD. There are two that I have in my head that I that could either I think be considered frogs music. Which one? Let me put it this way. If, if yep. there's no other answer, like that's frog. Yeah. Okay, that's the yeah, that, that's that's the one I was gonna say too. <laughs> okay, it's like I can't even imagine what the other one would potentially be. You're you're talking about that one? No, that's like we're winning music. 
Oh, that's mine. Okay. For all, okay. For all, okay. The other one is awesome too. That's the one I was thinking of. Those are my two favorite. But I like the I like the uh, okay. I'm looking at the soundtrack right now. It's Fanfare is the one that I was talking about. Yeah. I like Fanfare a little bit better than Frog. Like it's a close second. Fanfare is number one. Frog is number two. And then my um, number three is the Tear and Castle music. Uh, the music in uh, Magus's Fortress. The Magus boss fight music. Um, Lavos's boss fight music. Mm. Uh. I was pretty big on the music in the Black Omen, too. I really Black liked o- it. Black Omen might be my favorite. <laughs> oh, man, I just played Frog's theme again for a second real quick in my headphones. Now it's, I think it's tied for number one. <laughs> uh, Black Omen and Zeal Palace are great. Uh, I think all of the overworld music is fantastic. Maybe 2300 AD, not so much. What would you say is the weakest oh, music? Yeah. Oh, would, man. Would you say it's 2300 AD? Or? Maybe, yeah. Which, which it, it that's works. Just like an, it's that's, not that it's bad, but it, it it works because oh look, it's the future and everything's terrible. Uh, <laughs> that's not even so much music; it is like an ambience. To a degree, if, I, if yeah. I'm thinking of the same thing. Weakest. I don't. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think I just during the whole time that you were talking about the game, Robert, I could just feel. Tommy over there, like, yes, good, praise. <laughs> In all seriousness, I was, I felt kind of vindicated because I remember when he played it on PlayStation, I was driving, I was on the road for work. I was driving, I was like, you idiots, because it's PlayStation, play the original. Yeah, as soon as he told us that it was the PlayStation one, I'm like, well, there's your fucking problem. No wonder you didn't enjoy the game. PlayStation and hating it. And I loved the original and played it when it was new. I mean, like, so I know, I like, I understand hating the PlayStation version. Like, I get it. It is horrible. It is a straight up chore to get through that game on PlayStation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, another one that we somehow, another great song that we missed, Gato's song. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's a good one. That's a good Uh. one. God, I need to listen to this again. I, I'm, I'm like slightly remembering these, but not to a point where I can actually appreciate it. <laughs> I have them up on one of my playlists, so I just went and started scrolling through the songs, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's great, I'm that's great, that's great. Right now, also. <laughs> when I have like a day at work where a server just doesn't want to cooperate, and I'm having to bash my head against something, I'll put that on. Like, I'll listen to the uh, Chrono Trigger soundtrack just to like keep me from going off on people. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to know what your what you guys' favorite uh, character and favorite side quests are. Oh God, this is gonna become the Chrono Trigger podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, at least it's not Final Fantasy Tactics for once. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm just <laughs> saying it's it's been that one enough. It's okay to change it up every once in a while. Um, favorite, favorite character. Favorite character. Let's go with favorite character first. I'm gonna straight up say Robo without any question. I think that's a really common one, actually, yeah. Really? Really? For a favorite character? I, I thought it would yeah. be Frog for most people. Frog? Um, yeah, I like Frog's story, but as a character, he's he's not bad. His introduction just, is pretty cool. His introduction is cool. Um, The things that get built up with him later on, where you find out his backstory, where you go to the grave and all that stuff is really cool. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think my favorite side quest is probably uh the dilapidated castle or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I really like yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that one was pretty good. Uh, Tommy, what about you? 
my favorite side quest is I can't remember if this is a side quest or not. Um, oh, by, by the way, let's let's. Uh, there's one character who you can have in your party that's a spoiler, and I don't want to spoil it for the five people out there who still haven't played this game. So let's just say like spoiler character to refer. Yeah, to we're down to six now, so thanks for beating it, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on, Tommy. Okay, so side quest. I think when you. I can't remember for sure if this is a side quest. I like going back for the uh, rainbow shell and revisiting the uh, uh, the reptile people. I can't remember their actual in-game title. I really like that whole line. Yeah, the reptiles. Thank you. I, I liked that area. Yeah, with the understanding, it's kind of annoying. Like you said, you have to start with the whole lightning on every fight uh, yeah. or almost oh, every fight. Yeah. But at least but, by that point, you potentially have one or two other characters that can do it besides Chrono. Yeah. Uh, and then my other thing, uh, in terms of characters, I, I think my favorite character is probably – I have a hard time with that because I want to say Frog, but it may also be the spoiler. Uh, okay. Just because of the way he fits into things, and, and yeah, that's kind of where I'm yeah, at. Yeah, his his story is really good. His story is really good once you find out like what he's trying to do and why he's trying to do it and stuff, and it kind of turns everything over. Uh, they, yeah, they think, that was really good. I think he has the best story. I don't know if I like him as a party character as much, but in terms of just enjoying his character, I think he has the best story. So. Okay. Yeah, that, I, I have a hard time picking because that game, like that is probably that and a link to the past are probably the pinnacle of my nostalgia, and it almost feels like insulting someone in the game to say that someone else is my favorite. Like <laughs> it's like picking between your children. I can't do it. <laughs> I don't know that I really. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know that I have a don't have a favorite character for the same reason. It's just that I like a lot of the characters, but none of them really are like huge standout guys aside from spoiler character. And Frog, I don't feel that the uh, the rest of them have as much going on with them throughout the game. Yeah. I feel I mean, you get Robo, and then Robo's part is done pretty much until you do his side quest. Uh, Marl or Marla and Luca are both pretty much the same. You get them early on, you find out a little bit about them, and then they kind of go with you. They don't have that much growth as characters for the rest of the time. Uh <laughs> Maybe, maybe the Chancellor, you know what? He, let's throw the Chancellor in there. <laughs> uh, like, for me, I really, like, I, I felt when, like, the parts of Robo's stories that were more developed, like, were, like, that had some of the saddest parts in the game to me. And also, like, I really love the way they wrote him and characterized him just in general. Like, some of the things he, saw, he does and says and just, like, the way he acts and even just, like, the poses he does are, like, so cool. And then there's the one uh, side quest where – I don't think this is a spoiler, but you leave him behind to plant a forest. And he's like, this is going to take 400 years. I'm the only one who can do it. So you leave him behind, and he plants a forest for 400 years, and you just jump to the future to go get him 400 years later. And you find him like after he's all beat up after planting the forest for so long. That I, I thought was really awesome. And also uh, – Oh, So if you have him – in your party for the final boss, then there's one realization that he comes to about himself and that is just really cool. And when he comes to this realization, he's so excited about it. He does this pose. 
And it's like a Saturday night fever pose almost because he's so excited about what he just found out about himself. Uh, it is like I, I like fell in love with Robo 100% in this game. I think I might have to change my favorite side quests. What are oh, okay. that's tough between the can the Black Omen. The Black Omen is fucking awesome. From Which the one music to uh, just the boss fight and wrapping up stories and stuff. I can God, remember God, if it was side like quest or core because I've played. No, that's I, like, I always go through it. I always go through it, so I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. if it's Actually, mandatory. Wait, I don't remember which quest that is. That's the Black Omen. It's the giant floating citadel. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's a side quest. Yeah. Yeah, and this is basically the very end of the game. So yeah. it's yeah. the last bonus quest I usually do. Yeah, it's supposed to be the last one you do because I actually played that one first, and then when I would go back to talk to the uh, the guy at the end of time, <clears throat> he wouldn't tell me anything about the other side quests anymore. He'd be like, "All right, now it's time for you to go fight Lavos." Yeah. And so I had to actually like pull up a list of all the other side quests so I could go back and do those. Um. One other I think thing spoiler that I characters side quest is fun too. It's Just funny because you get to see the goofy characters again and have fun with them. And the way in the way that one guy gets killed in the very end is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Plus, uh, you probably didn't know this, but you can steal some great stuff from them. Oh no! Yeah, I didn't. I didn't use any. I always love that about replaying games like that, where you like you know that there's really good items to steal from them. Oh. Yeah. So you don't have to waste ten minutes on each boss being like, I gotta steal from him. Oh, it was a potion. That's great. Final Fantasy VII has some really key items you can get. Oh yeah, so, uh, Final Fantasy X has a lot also. Yeah, it does. I stole a lot in that game. Uh, one other thing I'll say about the game is, I think they do a good job of uh, making stuff to where like that you have to figure out on your own, <clears throat> making it to where it's not really hard to figure out, but like just hard enough. Like a uh, like for me, I got kind of confused at some points, I would be like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but like after I kind of played around with the game some, I realized that most places, if you don't know what to do, all you got to go, all you got to do is go around to like places nearby and talk to people, and then you'll get like exactly the clues you need <laughs> and what to do. Like especially, like the one that stumped me was how to climb the snowy mountain that you can't climb up. Like how am I supposed to do this? Like there's, there's no hints, but you just go talk to the like new guy that's nearby and he fixes everything for you. From then I was like, okay, I kind of get it. So whenever I would get stumped, I would just talk to people nearby, and it would start kind of unfolding the story a little that's bit. That's like the, I could start advancing. That's like the go-to with RPGs. <laughs> talk to everybody in yeah, town. I guess, I, I, to <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. All right. So one more question: What's your uh, What's your party for this game? My main party, as much as I like spoiler character, um, he just doesn't fit up very well with too many teams that still have Chrono, and Chrono is so r ridiculously strong, I usually keep him around. So most of the time, I would do Chrono, Marl, and Frog. Hmm. Okay. I went uh, Chrono, Spoiler, and Robo. Do they have a group attack? With one uh, of the stones? I'm actually not sure. I didn't use I don't any think group they attacks. Do. Really? Yeah, I would what just did, use, why didn't you use them? Because most of the time it doesn't 
it doesn't like add very much besides just using everybody's own attacks. Yeah, and also, I've always felt the same too. It's very frustrating unless it yeah. turns like some kind of an elemental attack into an AOE, so stuff like that. Like Falcon hit with Chrono and Ayla is really really strong, but aside from that, I, most of them just aren't that useful. Yeah, see, that's getting into my party. I usually go at the very late game, Chrono, Ayla, and Frog. Yeah, I'm not worried about any triple techs with them. It, you get yeah. a lot of utility from their dual techs, depending on what you need to do. Yeah. And having two healers there, you, know, you, you just let Chrono go full on DPS, and uh, it, yeah, really, really solid group. Especially if you're trying to rush through the game for some reason, you don't have to worry about grounding at all because basically it's an overpowered party. That's what I was going to say about thing. that battle style, Robert. You know you're complaining about it, how it gets repetitive. The one thing that's nice is like when you do it, like you try to find the most efficient way to get through battles, and that's kind of a fun element too, at least for me. You know, once I got the uh, the spoiler guy, <clears throat> and once I leveled him up enough, he gets a spell that it does like sick damage to every character on screen, and like most regular battles, you can kill everybody in one hit just using his spell. And that's what I would give. I gave him the gold uh, stud, which yeah. he only uses uh, 25% of the mana cost of any spell. And so uh, I would just like every single battle, I would just use that spell. And he was, uh, he had high speed. I gave him high speed. So he would always go first and just do that spell and kill everybody. Tommy, anything anything you want to say? I know you're a huge Chrono Trigger fan. Anything you want to add to what I've said before we move on? I think we've covered just about everything we can say on it, but I will say, <laughs> having played an RPG from that time period for this week that was not particularly good, uh, I think Chrono Trigger, when you when your biggest complaint about it is that the random battles, well, they're not even that random. There's not really any random battles in the game. You know you're going into a battle. Yeah. But... When the battles are, when your biggest complaint is that they're tedious because they're too easy, you know, that's not a, a bad thing to say about a game, you know, when that's the biggest complaint. Because the rest of it holds up so well. I mean, the characters are kind of weak, but it ends up giving you, and when I say the characters are weak, I mean their, their story, you learn to love some of the characters, but yeah, in general, it doesn't really develop them a ton. But the game still finds a way to draw you in through story, through art, through the music. That's just, yeah, I love the game. It holds up so well. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad you actually played, you know, the good version of it and enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, Blake. I understand you're going to hold off and talk about some some non-classic games because you didn't you didn't get a chance to uh to to delve into that very much this this time. Yeah, I never got around to playing a classic game of the last two weeks after finishing Mother 3. Um, instead, I've been playing games that are more recent that were very influenced by the Mother and Earthbound series. I'm going to be talking about those uh, in the, what what do we call it, Robert? Current Gaming Subcast. Current Gaming Subcast, that's the one. Uh, <laughs> so stick around for closer to the end of the cast for that to come uh -huh. up. All right, Jay, you take back over again. My mother right. is starting to go out on me. So since so we talked about our games, it's time for top three, and this week is one of my favorite without top three. This is my top three, top three of all time that we've done. What are you saying? Okay. Uh, so our top three for this week was um, three characters from games that did not have voices or had voices you didn't like uh, that you would have loved to hear voices done for them. So like an example, 
uh, would be what's a good example, Blake? The one that's not on your list. Um, Maybe Tara. Uh, I, I get, yeah, let's go with okay. Tara, I guess. So Tara, um, obviously a character that a lot of people appreciate. We'd love to hear if they would have done voice acting for that game, who would have done it. Um, and so we basically said, name three characters that you thought would be really cool to hear who they'd done for it. And if you have an idea for them, say it. And that, that's kind of the idea of it. That doesn't necessarily mean we'll have one for it, but uh, at least one of mine does, so. Like, do you so want to start us we, off? Since we want to start off with uh, the honorable mentions. Sure, I'm fine with that. Um, okay. I honestly didn't see too many specific ones that were that obvious. Maybe I maybe I missed. Yeah, those. not a lot of obvious ones. I think. All right, so I'll do my obvious ones first. Uh, okay. Well, you know, they're all kind of honorable mentions. So I'll start with this set of honorable mentions first. Uh, Link, Chrono, Mario, and Kirby. And I actually wanted them all to be voiced by the guy who does Gordon Freeman. Oh, okay. That would be uh, pretty fucking nice. nuts. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, Robert, with any other honorable mentions? Or Tommy, did you guys have any other honorable mentions for this? I actually I have think, another I don't set think, of honorable mentions. I don't think mentions. Jay got the joke. I don't, yeah, I don't think I don't yeah. think I got the joke, but this just seemed ridiculous. But... Gordon <laughs> Freeman. The joke is... Go ahead, tell him, Tommy. No, no, you got it. I know who Gordon Freeman is. The joke is that they're all silent protagonists with no lines, really. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't okay. think Gordon ever has a line. All right. I'm, a few of them have like grunts, and that's about it. Um, the other characters that I do actually, that I would like to hear voices for, uh, but these are the ones that I couldn't think of people to voice act, so I just left them off my list because whatever, screw it. Um, I've got Locke from Final Fantasy VI, who's probably my favorite character in that game. Uh, and then there is Ramza from Tactics, because Tactics. I I thought the voice acting they did end up doing for it was phenomenal. I think his voice was perfect. In the PSP version, War of yeah. the Lions? Yeah. I don't remember it. I didn't get oh, to man, it. Oh, man, it's great. Him and Zeta both have really good voices, I thought. Yeah, I never got to play that one, so oh, I have so some good. on my list, actually, because the, I never The graphics, it. the got, art style. They've got voice acting. They've got voice acting in the original. It goes, ah, dude, that scream, dude, that that scream gives me chills. And oh, then my last so two, good. uh, only one character on this on all of this list here is uh non RPG. Uh, next up is Porky, otherwise known as Porky or Pokey, excuse me. <laughs> otherwise known Porky, as known as Porky. Uh, I think Porky having Porky voiced would, uh, if you could find the right voice for him, That's a would make just that much more hateable. Which would be great. That's good. Uh, like and that. then the last character, Sigma from Mega Man X. Ooh. Another one that I just couldn't find a great voice for, but with how much of an asshole he is. Did you actually uh, find voice actors he'd for all be of them? Uh, no, I don't. I have voice actors for the uh, the actual top three that I'm going to use. Oh wow, okay, I did not. Yeah. That's... So those are my honorable mentions that I just want to get out of the way, and now we can get on to the realist. I do one honorable mention, <clears throat> Paula from Earthbound. All right, fair enough. Blake, can uh, you start us off? All right, sure. I'll start us off. My lowest, my number three character here is Boy from Secret of Evermore. Oh my God, that's my number three. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Who did you have in mind? I I was like thinking like who would be appropriate for it, but you have to have like he has like that kind of snarky, sarcastic kind of. One-liners, like... I was looking around for 
well-known voice actors, mm-hmm. and the closest one I could find, which is still a little off, but I think he could pull it off if he changed his usual – because he's like a little too smug in a lot of his roles. Mm-hmm. He needs to be a bit more lively for this role, I think. I, I would, it would work a lot better. Uh, he do, he's done Iron Fist in Marvel Heroes, uh, Yukimura Sanada in Samurai Warriors, and most recently, I think, Kung Jin in Mortal Kombat X. Johnny Young Bosch. God damn. Yeah, I don't know voice actors as well as you did. I used real celebrities, like actual, like I celebrities. Try to. I used that for some of my other ones. Actually. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. Tommy, you want to go next? Sure, I'll go next. Yeah. So the way I approach this, uh, I stuck with people that either didn't have voice acting or had extremely minimal voice acting, and. I went with them in no particular order, just you know, the order I happen to type these down when I was thinking about it. Uh, I started with Ramza and Final Fantasy Tactics. Again, I didn't play the uh, PlayStation Portable version. Sure. But I went with uh, an idea for him. Like when I play this game, I always – I guess because of the visual style, I, I make them have a British accent in my head. So I kind of like uh, Rupert huh. Grint from the uh, Harry Potter movies as the uh, voice of Ramza, you know, I'm Ron Weasley. I don't know why, but in my huh. head, that's Ramza's voice. Uh, that, that's just what I went with on it. I thought, yeah, you, know, you could make an argument for all kinds of different voices, I'm sure. sure. But uh, I just, I don't know. Uh, that's who I see there. He, he fits there. He's got an interesting voice, and I think he has more range than we've seen, you know, in Harry Potter too. Sure. So it'd be cool to see what he could do with it. I could see him more as Argith more than Ramza, just because, like, I don't know. I just picture Rupert Grimm more of like, cause, like you know, Ramza is kind of not cowardly, but a little bit non-heroic. That's funny. Though. I like that. Kind of more whiny, I guess. Yeah. 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 I, I can see that. And, and I almost said Daniel Radcliffe, but something about his voice just didn't seem to match the character for me. But yeah. I don't know why my brain went to Harry work. Potter. I think that's good. Cool. Roberto? All right. So I'm just now realizing how – Kind of off the wall random this is, but I'm gonna just go with it anyway. <laughs> I want uh the main character of Police Quest. Specifically, I'm thinking of Police Quest Three, but it's the same character for all of them. Sonny. Can he voice? Is the voice actor the guy from the Police Academy movies that makes all the noises? <laughs> oh my god, that'd be nuts, dude! <laughs> that would, You're getting that, into territory for somebody I mentioned, actually. <laughs> really? Oh my god! No, 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 there's somebody on my list that's in Police Academy. Continue. That's crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. That that would be better than what I did pick, but so this game is so frustrating to me because just of the game mechanics, the things the game expects you to do, the things it expects you to know. The way the story unfolds is just, like, dumb. So I think it would be hilarious if... Um, so, for instance, in one of the... Sp- I think it's Space Quest 4 or 5. I, I'm, I don't remember which one. There's a little bit of voice acting in it. And they literally sound like they just took, like, one of the developers from The Office to, like, read a few lines. It sounds terrible. I want them to do the same thing for the main character of Police Quest 3 for the whole game... So he's just walking around like like a doofus, just saying like dumbass shit that sounds terrible. It would uh it would make the game three times more enjoyable. Just being just if I was just able to make fun of him every time he opened his mouth. <laughs> cool. So yeah, my number three was <laughs> the boy from Secret of Evermore as well. 
Uh, yes. I could, oh, yeah, I already said that. But <laughs> I couldn't think of anybody that, that could, like, emulate that character very well. Like, somebody who could, who could I don't know, just, just the, the one-liner specifically would have to be somebody very specific for that role. Like, that, that, was, that was my hard thing. I could not think of somebody who could be that, I don't want to say snarky, but just, I don't know. I legitimately cannot think of someone for it, though. Here, this is the uh, video that I mostly listened to when I was like, oh, yeah, Johnny Young Bosch. Let me look up him and yeah, see if he's got stuff. Um, this is his quotes as Kung Jin in Mortal Kombat X. I think oh, he's got a good English? voice for it. Yeah, it's all in English. Okay. Um, I think he'd be a good voice for it if he could bring more energy to it and less dickish smugness. Which guy is he? He's the only one talking in the beginning of the video. He's both characters. Okay. Because oh, they're both Kung Jin. Oh, okay. Yeah, even like the part... Yeah, okay, I can see this. I, I can see this working pretty well. I like it. I think it's number two time. Are we already at number two? Yeah, we're number two. All right. All right. My number two. You know, we were just talking about this game. It's Frog from Chrono Trigger. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> oh. Um, I think uh, he's... One of the, I tried to think of like all the characters in the game, and I was like, you know, a lot of them would be pretty cool to have voice. Uh, Luca was the first one that popped into my head, but then I thought the uniqueness of the way that he talks in the game uh, could work really well and make him stand out even more, especially when no NPC in the 600 AD era talks like he does even, uh, which has always been extremely stupid. Uh, and for the character... No, I kind of uh, like it. I, I, it doesn't bother me that much, really. It just, it just stands out, and it's like, why, why is that happening? Uh, they apparently changed that in the DS version, from what I've been told. Aww. Yeah, so he talks just like everybody else. Um, and for the voice actors for that, uh, something so, deep. Uh, there's a few different ones. Uh, and we're gonna get, we're gonna get sad here in a minute, but the first one up is the guy who voiced Balthier. In Final Fantasy XII, Gideon Emery. Uh, for anybody that's played Final Fantasy XII, you'll recognize his voice. He's done some other stuff. He's, I think his, uh, the accent that he uses on Balthier would be, uh, great in the role. Uh, next person. Uh, again, I tried to stick with someone who has more of like an English or British kind of an accent. Uh, next up was, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> oh, nice. That guy's got some reach. He's yeah, got I see him pulling that off. He, I think he'd be very great with the, uh, just the way that Frog's dialogue is written in the original SNES version. And the as a dream option, uh, my last one was to go back to Harry Potter, Alan Rickman. Oh, that see that's good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, I, someone good. mentioned it was actually I was it talking was a to a friend of this off cast, and he was like, uh, someone with a really deep voice, and I was like, Alan. Alan Rickman. Yeah. He sounds like he could imitate having, being a frog very, very easily, I think. Uh, he'd be able to pull that off really well. His voice yeah, that's a good point. Towards that, that. that is really good. I think he would bring gravity to that character, too, that's needed. You know, when somebody that's, you know, just, oh, he's a frog, he's goofy. Like, yeah. I think he would respect it. The goofiness uh, comes from the fact that he's a frog, not, he, he wouldn't need to be acted as a frog. <laughs> Yeah, Frog <laughs> took himself quite seriously, you know, I, and I think he, he's a very serious person as a character. And I think Rickman would have pulled that off extremely well. Cool. Tommy, what's your number two? 
Uh, so for round number two, we actually uh, somebody mentioned the police academy thing there. So and Blake also mentioned Gordon Freeman earlier. So I went with Gordon <laughs> Freeman as my character that I wanted voice acting on, and I thought given the whole the feel of the Half Life games, yeah, there, yeah, it's, there's a lot of action. It's serious, but it's still a pretty goofy game at heart. So I picture Gordon Freeman as being like Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, from Police Academy. Just this completely nonsensical, just weird random guy. Because, you know, he's the hero by accident, and Bobcat Goldthwait is just perfect for that for me. I almost went with Jesse Eisenberg, just because I could see him, you know, like, hit with his quirky weirdness for it, but Bobcat just, when I thought of it, I was like, oh yeah, that's him. That's it. That's fine. (laughs) That's really good. Like, Bobcat, and, and again, Bobcat's one of those guys, he could bring some range to it, you know, so not that Gordon, you know, ever says anything, but if he did, I think Bobcat could, could fit whatever was needed while still being, you know, the, fitting the mood of the game. So yeah, that's my number two. Bobcat Goldthwait is Go- Gordon Freeman. I think it's incredibly random how we both happen to talk about, how two people happen to talk about police well, and stuff. The funny thing is that both of those things were me. I bought up, I brought up Gordon Freeman and Police Academy. <laughs> I knew it, man. I could just feel it deep in my bones. My number two is Barrett from Final Fantasy VII. That's a good one. Actually, um, Jay, when you brought up Final Fantasy VII earlier, I was like, man, I wonder who'd make uh, an actual good Barrett. It'd be fun to hear someone act out the crazy, angry black dude. Who loves his little muscle. daughter? That's what I think of for that. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go with Ving Rhames. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny? Lisa or, uh, We were talking about this earlier. That, that's actually who exactly who she said. Because before the podcast, we were talking about how the, the when they did the Advent Children movie, Barrett was, well, in the, the subversion, it was this high-pitched Asian guy. And it's like Barrett Wallace, this super buff black guy. And it was just so weird. And she actually said Ving Rhames. That's so funny. So oh, really? Wow. I think if Michael Clark Duncan got worked up in the role, he'd be pretty, really good at it. Hold on, who, hold on. I, I think I think Van Grames would be better. I, th- I think they both do Probably, really, really yeah. well. But yeah, it's just that like, oh, dude, that was who that was who I was gonna say before before I thought of Van Grames. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. I'm on point tonight, man. Damn, dude. <laughs> Spitting hot fire, the like, son. Anyway, he's got the best dialogue in Final Fantasy VII. I love. I love and like I love his the characterization and his dialogue and everything. Yeah. I think it'll be. I th- I always I wanted to. I really thought it would be fun to hear him talk the first time I played that game. I just love how ridiculous he is. Like he's fucking <laughs> picking people up and throwing them around. He's swearing everywhere. Like yeah, oh, it's just so great. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that a lot. All right, my number two is Glass Joe from uh, Punch Out. <laughs> Super Punch Out. <laughs> and, yeah. Dude, I, I was laughing my ass off thinking about this. So, Casey Kasem's Shaggy is who I think would be the legitimate perfect voice what? for this. Like, that's exactly who I, I think. Why, hey, Scoob? Yeah, exactly. I gotta go that's fight like... this guy in the ring. <laughs> oh, my God, that's perfect. Dude, I, I was, like, laughing so hard. I, that and my number one, I was I was just, I could not wait. This is this is why, this is my favorite <laughs> top three. Like, oh, man, it makes me laugh so hard just thinking about it. I could not think of somebody better. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, Robert, numero uno. Wait, what? I thought I was first. Yeah, it's... Oh, were you? Oh, yeah, no I'm sorry. Time. Yeah, you're right. I'm like... sorry. I'm still, I'm still picturing Damn, Casey Case in my head. I just skipped two people. 
the other one that I was thinking of to, before I get to that one uh, for Boy in Secret of Evermore, I was also thinking of. Um, hold on, I got to make sure which one it is before I say it. Because so I was like, wait, which care, which uh, which name? Um. When I first thought about it, I thought of Michael Sarah, and I don't know why. Because like thinking about it more and more, I don't <laughs> I think, think it would be that. That good. could definitely work. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one that I was thinking of. Okay, there we go. That's why I didn't say it because I did have the wrong one in my head. Um, Ryan Reynolds, who's about to star <laughs> Deadpool movie. <laughs> Except I think he's got uh, his normal acting. He's got a little too much snark. Yeah. When I think of him, he's got a little too much snark for the character and not enough, like, easygoingness. But yeah, if, I, I can like, see why you think that, though. Down, I, actually can. I like that. That's, that's pretty good. Him with uh, less snark. If I could think of some roles where he was less, like, a snarky character, then I, he'd probably have taken the number one spot there. Uh, but my number one character that I wanted to see voice acted is someone that doesn't have a lot of lines. And... The very few there, um, it's basically the opening part to the story and the, uh, a little bit of the closing part of the one game of hers that I have played. Uh, and the character is Samus from Super Metroid. Uh, there are also the GBA titles where she has, uh, there's a lot more uh, monologue and dialogue written for between some of the characters. And for her, I tried to think of, like, strong-sounding women. Like, the big uh, female voice actress you hear about all the time is uh, Tara Strong. But she she does the voice of Harley Quinn in the recent Batman games. And it's not – it's just not the right voice for the characters. So I had to look around a lot more. And uh, I was thinking in my head at first I had this American-sounding voice, uh, more of a normal – voice that we hear in America, and then I looked up uh, strong female characters recently, and uh, Laura Croft from That's what I was just thinking. To- That's funny. the Tomb Raider remake came up, and I was like, actually, I could really see her working with an English accent. Uh, so one of the voice actresses that I'd like for Samus would be uh, Camilla Luddington, who played, like I just said... Um, the most recent uh, one? Yes, in the most recent one, uh, and the most recent, uh, the reboot and the sequel uh, for Tomb Raider. Cool. And another person who wouldn't be bad, but I think it isn't quite as good, but it fit for the uh, American voice, would be Jennifer Hale, who played Commander Shepard in the Mass Effect series. And then the last... Go ahead. I was going to say, what would you think about Lena Headey? Um... I think Lena could pull it off, yeah. You know, Too I was bad. thinking about Samus for my list, and I kept thinking about Sigourney Weaver for her. And oh, dude, I, that's a good one. The series being based somewhat on the Alien movies. Yeah, like, it, it just it felt right, but it almost felt, <laughs> you know, a little, I don't know, it, it, a little too obvious, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can see that also. And then for my final choice for Samus... Uh, I actually went Hollywood on this one, and I'm I'm not overall a big fan of her acting, but I think she could pull off the cold, distant character that would work well for Samus voiced. I, uh, and it was Scarlett Johansson. I'm trying to hmm. imagine that in my head. I could yeah, see I it. Too. I could see it. Yeah, I think it would I could work. See it. 
I can see it. It's not my number one choice, but like she pulls off the uh, cold, kind of emotionless character pretty decently. <laughs> that's <true. laughs> Which I don't know if that says a good or a bad thing about her acting, but I think it would work. I can see that, yeah. That was cool. a good one, Blake. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. You All right, Tommy. Full, you went the full length with that one. All right. So for my number one, I went back again to a character that had literally no dialogue and didn't even have a name. <laughs> uh, the main character of Doom. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. know what you would refer to him <laughs> as. But I thought of a few different guys for him, but the one that just kept coming up for me, and again, some of it goes back to the time period from when Doom was released, but I went with Bruce Campbell. Because I feel like, you know, <laughs> the classic line, this is my boomstick, that just screams doom anyway. You know, and the guy's yeah. always thrown into these hopeless situations in the movies he's been in. Well, not all of them, but anyway, I thought he fit that game. Because he could be serious, he could be goofy, you know, it, he would just bring something to it. And I feel like, you know, I've played back through Doom recently just to see if I enjoyed it. And it still actually holds up pretty well, surprisingly. But it needs something. Like, you need some levity, something to, to shake it up. And I think he would add that. So I think he would actually not just be right for the character, but he would improve the game. So I think Bruce Campbell and Doom would make sense. I like it. I, I think that's a good one. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I think that's a good one. Blake's quiet. I'm scared. No, I'm just um, doing some other stuff really quick. Um, I could see it working. When I think of Doom guy, I think of someone like big and loud and crazy, and I think that's mostly due to the comics of Doom, where uh, the famous line, "You are huge. You must have huge guts. Huge guts, rip and tear," <laughs> comes from. And so, like when I think of Doom guy having lines, that's what I think of: some crazy nut house of a guy. And for that one, I don't know who I would pick for that. When I think of Doomguy having lines, all I can think of is Duke Nukem. See, I thought of that that's first, good. but then I was like, those, that's, those are two really different kinds of characters. I, I If he was rewritten differently, and I mean, they're from the same era, so that'd be weird to just have uh, John St. John <laughs> doing another character. But uh, yeah. Did you say John Cena? What? No, John St. John. John Cena? I was really <laughs> wanting somebody to have John Cena on their list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that wouldn't be too far off. Next, next, <laughs> next top three is uh, top three characters who would be best voiced by John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> and oh one of them has God. to be female. What? <laughs> Just do, 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 do. Uh, my number one is Stone Cold Steve Austin in WrestleMania <laughs> 50, or WWE 2K15. Uh, Things a great fit. All right, my number one. So. This character has been voiced in subsequent games that he's appeared in. The reason I picked him for my number one is for two reasons. One, he was voiced, uh, basically, he was voiced terribly, mostly because of the way he was written in the games he appeared in after his first game. Also, I just think it would be uh, lots of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy that's, and that, that's exactly wrote, what we're all thinking. <laughs> chat, Tommy was, just wrote, if it is Snake, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I've been waiting for David Hayter to pop up somewhere on your list, actually. 
All right, so he was ter- he was he was characterized terribly, and I feel like the if in his follow up games in the games he appeared in after his first one, I feel like if he was voiced in the first one, it would have solidified a certain part of his character to where they couldn't have voiced him so badly in the follow up games. Also, I just think it would be really fun to hear him talk in the first game he appeared in, regardless, and that is Cloud. I think he should be voiced by Billy West. Billy West, I gotta hear this. Cause yeah, he's been done a few times. Billy West is like a pretty famous voice actor. He's the, I guess it's it's almost not fair to say him because he does a he's he's got a variety, but he does like for instance Fry in Futurama. Oh yeah, oh, wow. he's done a ton of voices. Yeah, and he's not, like that's what he does. He's not just he's he's not an actor who apparently who occasionally does voices. He is a voice actor. Uh, and I think Cloud, hearing him talk in Final Fantasy VII, where he's more like kind of spunky and outgoing and stuff, would be lots of fun. And then maybe if that had happened, there wouldn't be so many, like he wouldn't have turned into emo Cloud as readily as yeah, he I mean, somehow did. Kingdom Hearts had the most vanilla voice, I think. I, I think it was just the obvious emo answer, like... Do you guys remember his voice in Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, that's that's mostly what I I'm thinking of right now, how bad it was. Yeah, it, 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 was it wasn't bad. it wasn't bad, Robert. I think it was just lazy. No, no, no. I think it was just it was it was not the voice acting was not bad. The writing of the character was bad, and the voice oh, acting. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, fit okay. The way I'm they sorry, did. I misunderstood. Yeah. Okay. Now I have to look up who played him in Kingdom Hearts. So, not only did he do the voice of Fry, he was the voice of almost every character on Futurama. Yeah, yeah he does yeah, not yeah, have yeah. a cast. He's the only character from the main six or seven characters, I believe. Uh, but then he does about half of the rest of the voices. He's Fry, Farnsworth, Zoidberg, Zat Brannigan, and Richard Nixon. Holy shit. Who was the who did Oh Haley Joel Osment did Sora in Kingdom Hearts. That's what yeah. I was thinking of. That might have been good for the boy as well. What? I nah. was try, I popped into my head at first and I was like, no, I don't know. God no. Yeah. Depending on I don't know, I'd have to have heard Haley as he was older. Like a teenager. His voice was weird. Yeah. So okay. I, I, his range would be really interesting. Huh. Um, so the guy, Steve Burton, the guy that did the voice of Cloud in Kingdom Hearts, also did his voice in both the City of Games, uh, and it looks like every Kingdom Hearts game since then, and in Crisis Core. I wish I remembered what he sounded like in those games. I remember what he sounded like in Kingdom Hearts. I mean, it's you know, obviously it's the same for all of them, but I don't remember it being like that for the rest of them. Hmm. Hmm. All right, so for my number one, uh, this is a character that... Fire skipping I, somebody. Oh, god damn. Wait, no, am I? Didn't you just go, Robert? Wait, didn't Tommy not go yet? Yeah, I've gone. Oh, sorry. Oh, my god, you made me feel like... I'm just getting tired, but yeah, you're trolling me. Everybody's gone, though, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this is a character that I really appreciated in Final Fantasy IX with Steiner. Um, if you don't remember, he's the guy in the suit of armor. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes. And this is who I think should do his voice. Hold on a second here. Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan. No. Hell no. <laughs> this, I think this would be the best voice for him. You guys watch Seinfeld, yeah? 
Oh God! Yeah, I watched it. Putty, Putty Are from Seinfeld, go? I think would be the best voice I, for Steiner. He's actually got a decent enough range. Like in in Seinfeld, he plays this very kind of uh, kind of slow paced speaking kind of character. Yeah, uh, but then oh, you, Patrick Warburton. Yeah. yeah, Patrick Warburton, who has also done he does the voice of Brock Sampson in Venture Brothers, and in that yeah. role, he's got a lot much uh, a lot more energy. And I think if, I think he could pull off a dumb, loud, deep-voiced character. I think it would be hilarious. Like I, yeah. I think his voice would would just take that character and go miles with it. Like he'd be a lot like um, so hard. No, I think that's. I, I was really wanting to hear him be on somebody's list. Like I wanted him to be on my list, but I couldn't think of anything for him to do. Yeah, I. Now that we think of him, it's a great choice. Because uh, what's the character that he plays in Emperor's New Groove? He's uh, what's his name? I, I, that's. Kronk, yeah, Kronk. Okay, yeah. Um, which is basically Steiner in yeah. in a different setting. Oh, man, I, I was laughing so hard because I was like, man, Steiner is such a great character. And I was like, you know, like there's other characters in Final Fantasy IX that are kind of, you know, okay, but I don't really care about their voices. Like even Zidane and like Vivian, like whatever. But Steiner was like, man, there has to be somebody who can just just push it. Yeah, it's just great. Great times. Um, we already did honorable mentions. Was there any ones you guys thought of since we started doing it that you want to talk about? I was trying to think of a character to have voiced by Hulk Hogan, and uh, I don't know <laughs> who. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any. I really wanted somebody to be voiced by Patrick Warburton and, uh, of course, David Hayter, but I couldn't think of any. Of course. <laughs> All right, David so Hayter could probably do a good Batman. I actually wanted to find a way to get, uh, since you said Batman, Kevin Conroy worked into my list, but I couldn't think of a <laughs> character I wanted him oh, mixed with nice. that wasn't yeah, Batman. Yeah, that has been good. I was trying to think of uh, someone Mark Hamill would be good for, but oh, not yeah. his Joker voice. Right. Mark Hamill could do uh, Glass Joe. <laughs> he kind of looks that's what I was thinking kind of looks like that works pretty well I like it that's awesome maybe that's where you got the inspiration for it from <laughs> probably alright so Robert next is the subcast yeah uh I think so oh no real real quick uh we got a couple tweets from oh yeah no, Jeffrey who writes in on occasion Syphil Jeff is at S-I-F-L Jeff number eight on Twitter. Give old, give old Jeffrey a follow. He writes in good emails and stuff. Uh, he says that he couldn't come up with a funny slash creative list for this one. He says Chrono Trigger has a great script. He would like to hear Ayla and Frog. Oh, man. we <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you covered. I was actually uh, also – I tried to kind of think of every character in that game, and I was like – I think my runner-up, if I had to pick one that I'd want to hear voice from, it would be Ayla, as a matter of fact. And I was like, who the hell would do it, though? That would be fun. Um, he also said, he sent us another tweet that said, uh, also, I'm playing Drakengard right now, and I think Jay might like the series. It's an I RPG with actually. Dynasty Warriors-like battle system. I actually might take a look. I saw that tweet, and I Googled the image of it. It looks pretty interesting, actually. Okay, you haven't played it? No. I don't think I'm going to be playing those games sometime this year. I've got. He actually I, sent me 
uh, copies of Dragon Guard one and two. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. So Jeff, shout out to you for that. Uh, I will be getting around to those at some point. I'm going to be playing them closer to the release of Near Automata though, because the Dragon Guard, um, the the game Near and I E R, uh, is actually a sequel to one of the endings of Drakengard 1, I believe. So they're tied together, and I want to play through Drakengard 1, 2, and 3, and then play Nier right before Nier Automata comes out. Uh, what was the second tweet, Robert? That was the one about Drakengard. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you said there was that more was, than one. That was the second one. Okay, cool. And we did not get any emails, you said? Yeah, no emails. Do you want to read some spam? We can read spam, yeah. No, I'm oh, kidding. God. We're not doing that. I'm just kidding. Right no. right. I'll pull it up. <laughs> All right, Blake. I think All right, so uh, was uh, that so that's the end of the correspondence with other people? Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, Slackaholicus retweeted one of my tweets. Current gaming subcast time? Yep. Go for okay. it. Just ignore him. Uh, so... I played three different games that were all heavily influenced by the Mother series. They take very, very direct influences from it. And a few. what was funny is that a few people tried to tell me, oh, no, this one's not real. That one doesn't have that much from Earthbound. Earthbound does a lot of different things, uh, especially Earthbound in Mother 3. Uh, it's, it's actually strange how different the games are, yet they're so closely tied together. Uh, and as I played through these three games, it felt like each game took influences from different, uh, from either Earthbound or Mother 3. Uh, the first one that I played was Citizen, excuse me, uh, Citizens of Earth, which is a game that came out, it actually celebrated the anniversary, it, the first anniversary of its release while I was streaming the game, which was crazy. And I didn't plan that or anything. Uh, it just kind of happened, and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Uh, the next game that I played after finishing Citizens of Earth was Lisa the Painful, otherwise known as Lisa the RPG, which also came out uh, about a year ago. It came out uh, December of 2014. And I've been wanting to play this one for a very long time because it felt like a more adult Earthbound. So it was, uh, it, and I was actually spot on with that assessment after playing through the game. It is an extremely adult version of Earthbound. It retains a lot of the silliness because you are in a post-apocalyptic wasteland that has no women left alive. Uh, and then a baby, you hear a baby crying and your, your character runs out, discover the baby. And you raise the baby as your own, and you protect her. You don't let the rest of the world know about her, because there's no women left. And the only way that humanity is going to continue on is with this child. So she's going to be a sex slave for the entire rest of what's left of humanity. So you are trying to protect her, and you're, you play as Brad Armstrong, who ran a dojo before the world went to shit and the apocalypse happened. So you're a kung fu master, and as it turns out, the game is basically about uh, the effects of abuse. And uh, your character, Brad Armstrong, when he was a child, he watched his dad do some very, 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 very awful things to himself and to his uh, his sister. And that has severely fucked Brad up in the head, as well as a lot of the people very closely 
involved in Brad's life. Um, like, uh, his sister commits suicide and someone that kind of, that she kind of loved and who loved her blames Brad for her suicide and goes very, very, very insane and completely loses touch with, uh, his humanity. The game is, it's about abuse. It's a very, very adult story, but with these very lighthearted, strange, quirky bits. Uh, the developer of the game, it was basically made by one guy, and then he had help making the music and doing some of the art, I think. And he really loves wrestling. So a big thing throughout the game is references to wrestling and wrestling characters and stuff. So you'll, you at one point, there's literally a side quest that's just you fighting characters in a wrestling ring and beating the shit out of them so that you can get the championship belt. That's, and then a <laughs> lot of the different character names are references to, uh, to different wrestlers. At one point, very early on in the game, you go up to, uh, this one guy's house and you walk in and he's like, Hey brother, I need some beer. Oh my God. And he's <laughs> got Hulk Hogan's, uh, he's got the bald head top. He's got the side, like the friar, the friar's shaved head with the side, hanging down hair and he's got the handlebar mustache the huge mustache that hulk hogan has um and he keeps saying brother all over and over and over uh and then you fight characters that have that are like references to wrestler names uh you also fight a a hawk a hawk armstrong or a hawk hogan or something like that later on in the game <laughs> who's got a um an American flag draped around him and all this silly shit. Uh, it's, and it's just this weird quirkiness that is still very lighthearted. While in the background, you're talking about a guy that had to watch his father abuse his sister and then abuse himself and all this crazy shit going on. The game is one of the most underrated. Both of these games, as a matter of fact, are actually some of the most underrated games I think I've ever experienced. I cannot believe that these two did not get more attention than they did, especially when you consider the final game on my list that I've played recently that was influenced by Earthbound uh, and the success and the huge, insane fan base that it had. Wait for it. Undertale. Um, before I played this game, a few people tried to tell me, oh, that game, it doesn't, it's not really that influenced by Earthbound. Uh, but then... The fact that the guy that made Undertale, uh, Toby Fox, the only other thing that he's done before making Undertale was to make an Earthbound hack, uh, that's, that kind of states where this guy's influences in his game creation are going to be coming from. Not to mention the, the fact that there are a few times in the game, like, um, very close to the end, I don't want to say where around the end, you wake up, the main character wakes up in a house, in a bed, which the whole room layout, the whole dy the, the whole experience that's going on here is very, very reminiscent of the opening of Earthbound, where Ness wakes up in his bed, there's knocking at his door, uh, it's very dark outside, uh, and then your mom comes in and leaves your favorite food sitting in front of you in, in Undertale. Uh, so yes, this one, this game is very heavily influenced by Earthbound. It also goes to the extreme of being much more over the top, silly, goofy. Uh, it, there's a lot of puns in the game, which 
Earthbound did quite a few of those too. Overall, my experience with Undertale, I uh, the short version and is that it wasn't disappointing. But no surprise, it didn't live up to the insane hype that's been built around it. And I was really worried that it was going to be even worse than it was. But it was it was overall a very good game. Uh, what it is, it's like it's sort of an RPG. There are two different paths that you can play the game through. Uh, there is a path where you kill all of your enemies, or there's a path a path where you spare all of your enemies. Uh, I ended up getting, for anybody that has played the game, I got the true pacifist ending. Um, I got the pacifist or the neutral ending first, and then I got the true pacifist ending. Uh, and I haven't gotten the genocide ending yet. I may go back and try to get it. But basically, they play completely differently. In one, you're leveling up, you're gaining levels, you're getting extra hit points, you're gaining extra defense and all this stuff. And in the other one, you're talking your enemies to death, kind of. Except instead of to death, you let them go. You uh, you spare them and they'll run away instead. Uh, and then instead of just having like a menu-driven system where it's like, oh, you talk to this guy, or oh, you beat the crap out of him. What it does is that for the talking, uh, the talking part specifically, because the attacking actually does something very boring and mundane, but I'm not going to talk about that one that much. But for the talking to your enemies and the pacifist run, what happens is that uh, you'll get this – you'll talk to them, and you have to find the right action to take to get them to react a certain way so that they'll want to leave you alone. And then when they attack you, what happens is that you go into a bullet hell minigame. Uh, you play as a heart that has to dodge certain attacks. And throughout the game, there's different enemies that do different attacks. And some enemies make your heart react in different ways. Like uh, sometimes it'll there will only be a couple different rows where you can move between. So if, if you hit up, you'll immediately jump up to the other row instead of slowly moving up. Or there's a character that makes it so that your heart uh, stands at the very bottom of the screen and you have to jump over these things that are coming at you from off sh- off screen. Uh, it's varied enough in the boss fights that it's actually interesting, but in the random encounters, it just gets very boring after a while of just like, all right, I'm dodging around. Oh, he hit me once. Oh, I don't care. Now I can let the monster run away. Whatever. Uh, so gameplay-wise, it's not bad. Uh, it changes it up enough in the boss fights that it's actually very interesting. Uh, but aside from that, eh. Could have been done better for sure, at least for the pacifist run. I've also heard that the genocide run is, uh, from what I've heard of it, it sounds extremely boring. And I don't know that I ever want to stream it. Uh, the story of the game, honestly, it feels like a better developed Mother 3. It's still very feelsy with the ending, and the writing up to the ending section of the game, especially for the true pacifist stuff, is... More engaging, uh, I felt like. The biggest problem I have with it is that it gets very over the top. Like, it really comes at you hard with the feels by the end. And it does it better than Mother 3, but it still doesn't alleviate the fact that it's, it's kind of all back-ended. It doesn't, there's not a lot going on in the middle of the game that actually m- develops in the same way that the ending develops. Um, and that bothers the crap out of me. It's always bothered me in a lot of different games. For example, I hate it in Chrono Cross, uh, where it's handled extremely poorly because it's all this just telling you exposition bullcrap. Um, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, Tommy, I wonder what your thoughts are on Chrono Cross. 
But we can get to that in a second. The same thing. <laughs> I just mentioned that, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Um, the other, um, I mean, overall, Undertale was good. It wasn't a bad game. It's not the greatest game of all time, but fan bases will do that. So, overall, uh, I guess what I would say for the three games, I think I liked Lisa the best. Followed very closely by Citizens of Earth and then followed by Undertale. Um, I'm just glad that I actually enjoyed all of the games and that they all took very, very obvious influences from Earthbound, especially with the combat, I would say. All of them have different RPG-based combat, very awkward, odd sort of stuff going on. Um, like in uh, in Citizens of Earth, you've got people that are attacking using their smell uh, they throw hot cups of coffee around. It feels like a, the same earthbound, but like turned up to 11, you know? Uh, and then in Lisa, you've got people that are head sliding into other people as their attacks, like baseball slides, uh, suplexes, elbow drops, silly, silly nonsense like that. And then in, uh, Undertale, you've got two different ways to play the game. And in the pacifist route, you're you're talking things to death and some of their responses when you talk to them are really 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 goofy funny stuff like you fight a Sundar plane (laughs) and as you're talking to it you'll get it to react like what you like me idiot and just little shit like that Uh, that's very very well done in the random encounters it sounds like Lisa has a lot more of an intense story than I than I expected. Yeah, it's much heavier than even I was expecting going into it. I knew that it was going to be this more adult kind of a game because you are dealing with having the with the only female left in the entire world just pops up in your life and you're protecting her and then someone kidnaps her and you're trying to chase her down and save her from what's going to happen. It's like that's a that's got to be handled in the right kind of way. And mm-hmm. they really did a very good job with it. Until the DLC where things get not quite as good. What's not as good about the DLC? Um, Without saying too much, uh, you play as a different character than Brad Armstrong that you play in Lisa the Painful. And the character just feels like such a... Without trying to say too much, it's really difficult to explain it, but, well, all right, I'll just say, you play as the female, you play as the only girl left in the world in the DLC, and she's just kind of a fuck about the whole thing. Like, her her character just is not likable, it's very short, and it doesn't develop as well until the very, very end of the DLC with the last boss sequences that are all handled um, in the most incredibly emotional way that I think they fucking could. So, uh, I guess that's the end of that section of the current gaming subcast. Well, I've also been playing Diablo 3. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen you on that. Project. <laughs> uh, new season came out in Diablo 3. I haven't touched it in like four days now because I got... I just got my burnout. I put about 40 hours into the character, and I think I'm done with this season. Uh, I will say uh, Blizzard did a much better job 
with the newest season than they've done with the That's previous. That's what I've films. read. A lot of people are really happy with it so far. The, so just Tommy the, was saying he was playing it as well. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, I've been playing the hell out of it. Nice. Uh, I bet. What do you? What class are you playing? Uh, I've been bouncing back and forth, mostly playing Crusader, but I'm wanting to get back into Wizard because that's always been my favorite uh, class in the game. All right. I've been doing uh, Monk. I basically have the gear to play as every top build right now. All, I'm, I'm either there or I almost have it, but I just need Ancients for everything, and I don't care enough to farm Ancients up. It's boring as shit. Uh, for anybody that doesn't play Diablo 3 and is not familiar with it, uh, Ancients are just a version of the unique items that I think is a 10% chance of occurring every time you find that unique item. Yeah, it's so every, Okay, I think it's 10%. And every unique, so when you ID it, it has a 10% chance of being a better version of itself. That's all Ancients are. They're just a better version of the exact same item. And farming that up for every slot is going to be so mind-numbingly boring at this point that I just don't care. The One of the great things that they have done with the new season, though, is that the, your first character, you can get uh, you get this one bonus for your first character that you do this with, and then you can't do it for any of your other characters. And they give you a free legendary level 60 set, or level 70 set. 70? Yeah, it's level 70. Okay, yeah, I was like, what's the level cap again? Is it 70 or 60? <laughs> Um, so once you get to level 70, you can get a full set of free uh, legendaries, a uh, free set. And what that means is that uh, set items are basically what the entire endgame are based around. You need a set to be able to do high-end content. And the fact that they let you get a free one now means that you can do the higher-level content so that you're getting more gear faster, so that you gear up faster. It basically cuts out the middle air, the the entire... That beginning half process of once you get to 70 of like, all right, well, I've got to get my first set somehow. I better start looking around. Uh, and it's a really great addition to the game. I'm very, very happy with that. Overall, it, the season's been pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Have you done any of the set dungeons yet? I did. I actually fi- I did, I mastered the monks uh, Wukong uh, or Wuko. Sun Wuko? Wuko set. Some Wuko set, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been wanting to try some of those out, and I've done the uh, Thorns uh, set on the uh, uh, Crusader. What's that? On the Invoker set, I think. Yeah. Anyway, it it was fun. It was pretty easy. It really some of it just went down to randomness of whether or not things you know did what I wanted them to do when I was running around. Really frustrating. I am not a fan of them. I wish they'd been done a little better. I think it really depends on the classes. Some of them, like the barbarian ones, are borderline impossible. Like that was very frustrating. I've heard uh, the, someone with the Firebird Wizard set was like, "This sucks. This really blows trying to master this." Yeah, it, it's and you have to master twenty four total sets to get all of the rewards you get from doing that. So I'm pretty much never gonna get all that. That's <laughs> not like, gonna happen. No thanks. Fuck it. I'll, I'll do something else with my time. Yeah, but I like you. I think that it's been a really good addition to the game. You know, the it lets you jump in faster, and yep. they kind of smoothed out some of the annoying things uh, along the way too. I mean, nothing that's no big changes, but anyway, I I, I enjoy Lots of quality of life stuff. Yeah, I've heard uh, about it so far. Anybody else been playing any other recent current games? Yeah, I'm curious what Rob's I, been playing. He's been really quiet. Yeah, I've been playing as a lot of 
people have been playing this week? Uh, The Witness. Uh... I, yeah, so The Witness is a uh, more, it's a puzzle game by the guy, by Jonathan Blow, who made Braid. That's what he's famous for. And this is, it took him like, what was it, like five years to make The Witness now, I guess? Maybe even a little bit longer. Maybe even, yeah, I think it's longer than five years. <clears throat> and uh, so he made a ton of money off of Braid, and he used all of the money that he made from Braid, sunk it into this project, into this game called The Witness. And I had kind of, I was pretty skeptical. I, I Before I had started really hearing things about people who, from, from people who had played the game, like right before it came out, I didn't really think I was going to be interested in this game. Because he was talking about how it's got like hundreds of puzzles in it, and uh, it, it can, it might take, he said it might take, I, I, I may be wrong on this. I swear I heard him say that he expects it to take some people like 80 to 100 hours to beat the game. And I was like, all right, count me out. I'm not really interested in that. Um, it turns out it doesn't take that long. It doesn't take 80 to 100 hours to beat the game. Maybe to get, maybe to 100% the game. It, it, yeah, to 100% even, the game probably. And even that might even be stretching it. I don't. I, I guess I can't really say because I haven't. Game done devs that usually yet. overestimate stuff like that or overstate it, so it would yeah. not surprise me. And so I wasn't really interested in a puzzle game either, but this is just a really, really good puzzle game, and the and the things he does with the puzzles like is are, are just insane. So like the the premise of the game, I won't go too far into it because we we're going on pretty long here. But you're on an island, and uh, you're walking around, and there are these little panels all over the place. And there's, it starts off pretty simple. The 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 type of puzzle is all of the, all of the puzzles are ultimately the same. You have a little grid in front of you, and you have to draw a line on the grid from starting one point and getting to another point. But you encounter different variations of the same thing, where there are different restrictions on how you have to draw the line. Uh, and then like, it gets like, it sounds extremely simplistic and it doesn't sound like something you'd be able to take very far, but he like takes this to insane lengths. The, the, the things he adds to make it like more complex and more difficult. The whole time you're walking around and doing all this, you're not only trying to figure out how to solve each puzzle, like what the solution to each puzzle is, but a lot of the time you're actually figuring out, you're trying to figure out like how to even like know how to solve the puzzle. So like, you might have a grid, and then all of a sudden you come across one, and it's got a black a black dot on it somewhere. So you have to figure out like what does this black dot mean, and play around with it and stuff until you figure out okay, the black dot means I have to do this or that. And then so <laughs> I like I, it's one of those games you can't talk about some of the crazy shit he does with this without really spoiling like big parts of it majorly. But, uh, like, it is absolutely insane, some of the stuff he comes up with that you have to do. Some of the times I've been playing this game, like, I've literally laughed out loud when I realized what the puzzle is telling me I need to do to solve it. Because it's like, holy shit, I cannot believe he's asking me to do this. This guy is a, some sort of mad genius. Uh, I'm really having a lot of fun with it. The game, surprisingly, you wouldn't think from a game like this that the graphics would be important, but the game is absolutely beautiful. It looks so good, the, just all like, all the scenery on the island and stuff. Uh, I think I'm I'm I've sort of 
gotten to where I could beat the game right now if I want. There are, uh, I believe, like 11 areas in the game. And if you finish seven of them, then you can go uh, to the, like the final part of the game and beat it. Right now, I've, I've, I'm on like seven and a half right now. So I've beaten seven, and I'm like halfway through an eighth one. I'll probably try to finish all 11 areas, but even that isn't uh, doesn't count as 100%ing the game because there's lots of other like extra secret stuff that you got to find out if you really want 100% the game, where it's like puzzles that you didn't even know were there you're trying to find and stuff like that. Uh, but to me, it's totally living up to the hype. Uh, and it's it's really... I wasn't really in the mood for a puzzle game, but I had heard so many good things. I was like, all right, I have to try this out. And I'm having a ton of fun with it. I've put it, like, in the past two days, I've put 11 hours into it. Jesus. So that game looks beautiful. While you were talking yeah. about it, uh, I was looking up images from it. It is beautiful. Yeah. That was the very first thing that shocked me so much about it. You start off in, like, a little... It all, you start off in, like, a little tunnel. And it's all black. And you go up and you do... Like, the first puzzle is extremely simple. It's just introducing you to the mechanic. It's, like, one line. You draw a line from one point to the end, and, it, and a door opens up. When you... The first time that you see daylight, which is, like, 30 seconds into the game... Immediately you're, like, immediately, you're like, holy shit, this game looks amazing. And then when you get out and you start walking around, it just looks so damn good. I can't get over it. So I'm re- I'm enjoying The Witness just as much as everybody else is right now. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about it, but I I, I have, don't think I'm going to pick it up at this point. Yeah, it's you have to like puzzle. If you just don't like puzzle games, mm-hmm. you probably won't like it. There's uh, <clears throat> not a whole lot of story to it either a lot of the story is kind of more implicit it's like you figuring out what's going on and then just sort of being amazed by like all these like the the the, the crazy ass things that you realize the puzzles are asking you to sure. do to solve them uh a lot of it is like sort of laughing at the game like appreciating the game itself for what it is not so much like uh, any sort of story that's that's wrapped over it okay i cool. recommend it highly so all right to close out our game talk, uh, Tommy, hopefully less long-winded than most of the rest of us, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Chrono Cross? Alright, oh, yeah. so Chrono Cross, when it was originally released, my PlayStation broke while I was playing it, so I got about halfway through the game and then never really finished it then. Uh, Going back as an adult, I just don't love it. Like, I feel like they try and do too much. You know, there's too many characters, and they don't feel distinct enough. So, but it may be also that that kind of fell after my, uh, like, I wanted it to be Chrono Trigger, and it wasn't. And, and so I may not be able to view it objectively enough to be, you know, a good evaluator of the game. Uh, but, yeah, the what I played of it, I remember getting probably... I, I may have been more than halfway through. I was probably 20 or 25 hours in when my PlayStation died. Uh, so I don't know if that's enough to be you know near the end of that game. But I played, like I said, 20, 25 hours of it back originally. And then when I've gone back to it recently, I've put 8 or 10 hours in. But like I said, it's just – for some reason, it just doesn't hold up. And it may be something about playing RPGs on the PlayStation or emulated PlayStation whatever – you know, the loads and so forth, the load screens and loading moments may be what's detracting from it for me. 
But yeah, like I said, I I don't love Chrono Cross the same way I do Chrono Trigger. <laughs> I feel like that's the common opinion. That's okay. I kind of hate it yep. on a personal level. Yeah, As a I, game, it's not terrible, but personally, I hate it because it's. It tries to serve as a sequel to Chrono Trigger, but it's it just doesn't feel like a sequel at all. Tonally, game and just just all of it. It's just yeah, a, I think a, I heard and it may have been one of you guys that criticized it this way. The, a criticism I've heard of it is that if you took the Chrono label off of it, yeah, and you just made it its own game, it would not. Nobody would play it and think, oh, this is Chrono Trigger. You know, yeah. like yeah. It, nobody would link the two if they didn't just stick the name on there, mm-hmm. and that feels completely right to me. Like it, it doesn't feel like it's related. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I remember Blake saying that too. Yeah. You, you could if you took the Chrono name off there and just had uh, you like read out the wrote out the parts that require. The the small parts towards the end of the game where they're just like, this is tied to Chrono Trigger because it is. Yeah. And you just were like, all right, I'm just going to make a game where these things are happening for a different reason. Um, it'd be – it'd stand better. I think it'd be better than going, hey, look, it's a sequel to Chrono Trigger because we say so. Because yeah. of this far-reaching – nonsensical, absurd logic that we're going to use. But hey, they both had asylum protagonists, so they had to be tied together, right? Mm. It, it didn't... What what bothered me is that it didn't manage to capture the same spirit of the game. You know, like, obviously you don't want to make the same game again. Yeah, well... I don't know, in the modern era, that's mostly what does happen, but yeah. I could understand not wanting to make the same game again and again, but if you can get the spirit of the game right, and maybe you need to change some things mechanically. It is a new system. You know, graphically, I understand changing things for sure, but they didn't preserve the spirit, and so as a game, you know, I remember enjoying it when I played it, but it just it wasn't the same. See, for me, as a, a Chrono Trigger manages to do the silent protagonist right, and I don't think any game is ever going to pull it off as well as they did, while still telling a story and having a world. The reason that Chrono Trigger pulls it off so well is because all of the different eras have their own personality, for lack of a better word. Uh, and that it that's why like the eras themselves are what's telling so much of the story of Chrono Trigger. It's not about Chrono... In in a very small way, it's about Marla, Luca, Robo, etc., etc. It's more about 600 AD, 2300 AD, 12,000 BC, etc. And it does that very, very well. Chrono Cross maintains not having super strong, important characters, except for a very, very small handful of them, but then the story doesn't even focus on them in the slightest. It focuses on them even less than we get the focus uh, on them in Chrono Trigger. And we don't have that many different eras. There's the reality, and then there's the alternate reality, and that's it. There's two different worlds, and they're not even all that different for the most part. Uh, A lot of the time... It like doing something in one reality has ripples that affect the other, and it just feels really weird and nonsensical. Whereas in Chrono Trigger, it makes a lot of sense to have the the time eras so closely tied together, and Chrono Cross's alternate realities 
I, like I don't I don't see how me talking to someone in one reality is going to have any effect on a person in the other reality. It doesn't make sense to me. They're very split. They're very distinct. There's no line connecting them, and they still try and pull that crap sometimes, and it doesn't it doesn't work as well. Not to mention that because there's only two eras, they can't have they're not as dense, and so it's just all this kind of stuff that's spread out, and it's still all very samey and not good. Whereas if I go from 2380 to 680 to 65 billion BC, I'm experiencing different stuff every single time. Anyway, there it is. like I said, remember remember the part where I was saying that we could get rambly? Chrono Trigger podcast. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, it's really easy when you're talking about something as, you know, I hate what you say real quick, Robert. <laughs> real quick, I was just... just real quick, uh, Metal so, Gear Solid. I was talking about... I was talking about uh, Jonathan Blow, and he used all the money made from Braid, which was which was a pretty big hit of its own. He sunk that all into the, uh, the wit to making the witness. Um, he just happened to tweet about thirty minutes ago. He he just said that the witness is on track to sell more in a week than Braid sold in its first year. Jesus, Robert, you want to close this out? Uh, sure. End of podcast. See you guys later. <laughs> wow. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to get a hold of us, contact contact us at. You got this. No, I don't. That's why I left the window open for someone else. Jay, you got this. Yeah. Okay. Good luck, Robert. Tommy's probably got this. <laughs> Mail at classicgamingpodcast dot com. Boom. Know, Twitter. <laughs> Damn. Twitter. Twitter. We are at, at class, class gamescast. gamescast. Yeah. There you go. Together, you guys can do this. With our powers combined. We are Captain Suckass. <laughs> Send us emails. We didn't get any this time, but you can change that. We'll get them next time. You have thank the you power. Tommy, obviously. Yeah, thank you, Tommy, for being here and hanging yeah, out. Yeah, thanks, for Tommy. With Fucking hours. Mm, three shit. hours. This is long Three hours, ones. Robert. This is all you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I blame having a right. that we actually wanted to talk about a little bit. What's the top three for the next one? Yeah. I don't even have the energy to figure it out right now, but we will figure it out. Okay, I gotta eat. I haven't eaten all day, so. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It was a good time. I I hope it was, anyway. 